you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located right here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Folks, we broadcast live each and every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. That's our flagship station. Check out their broadcast schedule. I mean, you talk about a great uh, flagship station to have, Global Star Radio Network. That's it. We are also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. That's BTR. And you can watch us live and by archive on our official YouTube channel. Folks, just go to hagmanandhagman.com. And we also have, of course, our news site, hagmanreport.com. And uh, some of my articles are featured on canadafreepress.com as well. I'm Doug Hagman at the helm with fellow investigator and my son, Joe Hagman, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Uh, happy 4th of July, day after <laughs> hope everyone had a great 4th of July we had a special program yesterday um, we did so we had a we, we did we had a kind of an interesting uh, yeah. program the way the way it worked out you know it went really really well and um, it was a nice compilation of of some very good insight from a number of people you know I learned along a lot, with some yeah. of our our uh, take on on the 4th of July being outside Getting to shoot from uh, outside and having the barbecue while we're doing it—it it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Um, you, you know, it was—it was different. Uh, that was for sure. Um, anyway, got a lot to get into yeah, tonight. Yeah, of course. The big news for today is um, the lack of prosecution or lack of recommendation by FBI Director James James Comey on the investigation of uh, Hillary Clinton's use of her personal email. Now, that's something that, and folks, you've got to understand, this is something incredibly 
important, but it's scripted. Now, a couple of things before we get into this news. Portions of this broadcast brought to you by HealthMasters, HealthMasters.com. That's HealthMasters.com. Folks, go to HealthMasters.com. Check out their array of nutritional supplements. That's HealthMasters.com. Um, but uh, let's talk about the schedule this week a little bit, Joe, because, folks, in case you don't know what's going on this week, tomorrow morning Joe is going to go in for some uh, back surgery, minor, relative compare. You know, I, what people say, minor surgery, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, not exactly minor. So he's going to have some surgery done tomorrow. He's going to be off pretty much the rest of the week into next weekend. He will be, if things go right, he'll be here on Friday when Coach Dave Daubemeyer appears in studio. All right. Now, so that's tomorrow. So he goes in, um, his, uh, his appointment is at 8 thirty in the morning, eight forty five. So please prayer uh, seven AM going there. Yeah, eight thirty. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> they yeah. say for the surgery. And hopefully I'm out of there, you know, one, two o'clock. Right. But um but, but you know, so yeah, so prayers please for Joe. And again he's gonna be off uh Wednesday, Thursday, and then he he may, depending on I think, uh, he should be mobile Friday. Um He'll be in here in studio. Coach Dave Dodmeyer is going to be in studio guest here Friday. So that's something you're not going to want to miss. Tell, tell your friends and family. And remember, we had uh, Jack Cashel in last month in studio. We'll yeah. be doing more and more of that. I and also, well. while I'm gone tomorrow and Thursday, Josh Tolley will be yes. guest hosting with my dad um, 8 to 10, both Wednesday and Thursday. So that's going to be... Um, those are going to be really good shows. Yeah, he's going to be um, he's going to be the host of the Josh Tolley show. Right, he's going to be with me uh, eight to ten, as you said, uh, Wednesday night and Thursday night, and then Friday, of course, Dave Dommeyer in here in studio. And uh, now uh, here here's the other issue too, folks. I, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to make it tonight. If you can hear <laughs> my voice is going, I, I did the, the Common Sense show uh, Sunday night, and. Uh, I don't know, man. Right, it was during that show I started to get my voice started to get feeling bad. My wife's been sick for about a week. I mean, you know, she's it's bad yeah. and sick. And then I thought I skated through that. Now I've got something. I don't know what it is, but it's uh, it's affecting my throat, my head, my my face. Uh, you know, the old joke: uh, "Does your face hurt?" Now it's killing me. Anyway. Um, so I'm going to try to go as long as I can tonight, and so forgive me if I just sneak out of here early. And, and that's kind of the way I look. I look like uh, I can see myself in the in the monitor there. I look pretty pretty rough around the edges. My apologies. But, I, mean, I think uh, we both do today. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But um, so please, press for Joe tomorrow. And uh, and uh, anyway, but <clears throat> folks, uh, history is is going to. History was made today, and if you don't mind, um, let me take a little bit until I can't do this anymore. All right? I mean, let me. Do you mind? Because we, cause we didn't no. talk before the show. You can go ahead. All right. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's if it's summer cold. I think it's. Uh, I think somebody. I don't. I don't know what. I, I don't know what it is, but man. Um. 
I went to, down to the pharmacy. I said, I need something right now to give you know, give me something that will just take everything out of my head, uh, congestion wise. And uh, yeah, do, do, do you have any? There you go. Eric just said, do you have any anti chemtrail medicine? Um, well, there you go. You know, uh, we were out uh, doing the program. We probably got zapped uh, on the fourth. Anyway. So, 2,314 words, folks. James Comey. James B. Comey. 2,314 words of drivel. Now, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, 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 I watched this live, and this is exactly what we spoke about. This should come as a surprise to no one. Um, and, however, please, 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 please do not think. And, and Joe and I, right before the program started, uh, Joe said that Rush Limbaugh kind of indicated that this was, you know, hey, it wasn't a bad thing, you know, kind of like a Justice Roberts thing during the uh, Obamacare fiasco, right? Yeah, and he, I, th- I think he he beat around the bush more so than a few other people wrote about. And what they said was, you know, oh, Comey is brilliant. You yeah. put the heat on Loretta Lynch and exposed how corrupt Clinton was for laying out, <laughs> as um, some articles, FBI director reveals <clears throat> every Hillary Clinton claim about classified emails was a lie. And he did do that. But he then they go on to basically change the rules, change the laws in order not to indict Clinton. Um, talking about gross negligence and lack of intent. Well, right. you don't need intent to commit a crime. No, you don't. No. And that's what they've tried to say is the reason, you know, well, they, one of the reasons why they're not pursuing criminal charges or, or recommending the uh, dropping of this investigation because she didn't intend to hurt anybody. She didn't intend to send classified information, highly sensitive, highly classified sensitive information over private, her private email server. Right. Well, uh, <laughs> which, if you look You're at right, the Joe. dozens of, of classified information cases that have just been decided on this year, every single one of them, intent or not, deals with the prosecution of the person who has uh, been accused of this. It doesn't matter their standing, their security clearance. Even the head of the CIA, Petraeus, didn't do... A, a fifth of what Hillary Clinton has done in the FBI scandal or the email scandal alone. Right. Separate from Benghazi, separate from all these other scandals. He gets at least some sentencing from a judge put on probation. And uh, I don't remember if he was put on house arrest at first or not, but I mean, that was very light as far as um, sharing classified information. Who, who are you talking about? Petraeus. No, Petraeus got $7,500 fine plus I mean, he lost he lost a lot more than Hillary Clinton did. Right. I want to thank Gary P. He writes this. Uh, Dear Doug and Joe, it seems to me that the relationship between James Comey and Hillary Clinton is a bit like the relationship between Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Oh, that mental picture now. <laughs> well, see, last week we saw Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch meet which was no coincidence and right right the what the way that they told the the press corps not to take any pictures or videos and the cell phones were allowed in the meeting 
Uh, they said they talked about grandkids and some other nonsense. Tyranny on the tarmac in plain sight. That's an article I wrote too on on our on, on HagmanReport.com, and you can comment on that at CanonFreePress.com. From that last week to Hillary Clinton's meeting this weekend for oh, interrogated for three point five hours. Let me tell you something. Okay, I've been at depositions that lasted uh well the long the longest deposition at one in one sitting was I think eleven and a half, twelve hours. It was it was like an incredibly long and uh of course there were a couple of breaks in between, you know. But uh lunch break and then came back and then we had one deposition on a case that was of all things of all things it was a uh, it was over a uh, a car accident this is in the beginning Joe was two days I mean it it lasted uh, six hours the first day and I think an hour the next day three and a half hours you can barely get out the preliminaries now there was a crowded room there as well during that, that deposition but tonight while I can do this Joe Get ready, because you, you might have to take over for me, because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell I mean, folks, grab a pen and piece of paper, or get ready to hit the replay button on this program tonight, because I'm going to tell you some things. All right? Let me give you the bigger picture here. The bigger picture of what's taking place, who Hillary Clinton is, why this happened. Now, I listen to so many talking heads today, you know, from, and, and they're not wrong. Alex Jones, not wrong to be like, you know, really upset. I don't have the energy right now to be upset, okay? Um, Fox News, the, the people there, the, uh, MSNBC, Tom Hartman, um, on the Democracy Now! channel, um, others as well. And, and I understand, okay? But there, no one's really, except for Alex Jones Infowars, no one's seen the bigger picture here. And for some of the new, in, in the uh, independent media, no one's seen the bigger picture here. First of all, Hillary, Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton. Do, do you mind if I start this out and then you can pick up? You alright? Do, 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 do we need to duct tape you to the chair? Eric, watch him, man. Because, you know, he, he's scheduled for, for surgery tomorrow. Well, no, I do have a surgery tomorrow. Where I'm having surgery, I got a massive infection going right now. Can't yeah. take any any uh, aspirin or uh, well, you can't Advil. That, well, I'm not supposed that, to. That would be a real wreck, you know, bleeding wise. Right. So but walking around with the pain and the uh, yeah. sweating and stuff, I feel like I have a, like a mild flu. But yeah. So we're which, both which, like. Uh, so yeah, we're we're playing hurt. <laughs> we're like putting, just done. I mean, blobs in a chair. That's um, how I feel today. We might have to. Yeah, you, you, we, coming back at the top of the hour, you, it might be Eric just sitting there going, <laughs> just sitting oh, here <laughs> what are we doing? Um, but no. Um, and, and it's, you know, sometimes you need to, look, it's, and I'm not it's, it's, and, well, you, you got a right to complain. I mean, you got a, you got a sore, uh, he's, he's having hemorrhoid surgery. No, he's not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That, that, please don't, I'm kidding. Okay. Don't send me emails. Would I rather? I mean, I don't know what's worse. So. I don't know. Yeah, it's lower back surgery, but uh, and it's so anyway. Um. Okay. Um. So, what we need to do is we need to to, to look at the larger picture here. Now, I got into some of the things about Hillary, Diane, Ronald Clinton, and I want to thank Bob and Maggie. Thank you so much for your kind email Sunday night. 
uh, on, with Dave uh, with Dave uh, Hodges on Sunday night. But some of the things that people have not never heard of before, and if you have, okay, great. And if you haven't, tell others because it's really important. Well, first of all, Hillary, let's get some background. If if we were going to do this, if we we're going to approach this as an investigation, well, who who is Hillary Rodham Clinton? And let's look at a lot of things, including her politics. Her politics will play a role into this, in this, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why later, okay, obviously, aside from the obvious, okay, aside from the obvious, um, because it, it speaks to the world view here. Now I'm just gonna fire away. If you wanna jump in, just throw something at me, but, uh, you can, you know, put your head on the desk if you'd like, and, uh, we'll be alright. And, and that way I'll cover for you tomorrow, alright? But I'm gonna have help too, I'll have, uh, Josh Tully. All right, so here we have Hillary Clinton, born in Chicago in 1947. All right, so we're looking at this from an investigative standpoint. Um, she grew up in Park Ridge, a suburb of, of Illinois, and is a very privileged individual, by the way. Don't let her tell you otherwise. Well, in her, as she was growing up, we have to understand one thing in, in, in her formative years, that being her college years and such, she was deeply influenced by in 1966 when she was what 19 she was very much influenced by a, a writing which appeared in a magazine titled Motive M O T I V E which is an interesting parallel <laughs> interesting or ironic considering uh, lack of motive uh, uh anyway uh, the title was Change or Containment and Motive Magazine was a, uh, it was for college age Methodists back then. It was authored by a Marxist and, and, a, and a Maoist theoretical, uh, philosopher named Carl Oglesby. He was a leader, or he, if, if that name rings a bell, he, he was the leader for SDS, Students for a Democratic so- a Society. And, that particular article had some definite cultural impact on Clinton, on Hillary. Now, why am I going back so far? Again, we have to look at a few things in the run-up to what we're seeing today to understand why we're seeing today. This is building a profile, I guess, for lack of a better term. And once you understand the profile, folks, you'll understand from there what happens next. Joe just broke our television set. Nice, nice. All right. All right. So, anyway, the, um, the, uh, SDS, the, the, uh, well, the, the article that appeared in Motive Magazine, it, it, it was written in defense of Ho Chi Minh, of Fidel Castro, of uh, the Marxist and Maoist tactics for violence, for violent overthrow. The thesis, a late lady our studio dog is in, in the studio, and Joe just crawled on all fours in front of the camera, and the lady was looking at him like, hey, you know, I do that. Anyway. Yeah, he's just grabbing his antibiotics. All right. So, 
think about that. It, it was that particular thesis that really kind of set the stage for what she decided to do in, in the uh, years that followed. Now, Hillary said that that motive article, that particular article had played a very key role in her change from being a Goldwater Republican in 1964 to a Marxist in 1968. Now, to go from a Goldwater Republican in 64 to a Marxist in four years is pretty a pretty radical change. Now, when Clinton was Bubba's first lady, when she was an occupant in the White House, she had granted an interview with Newsweek magazine, and she said, you know, I still think about that Oglesby piece, and I still like it. That tells you that she's got Maoist and Marxist tendencies for violence as tactics. Now, again, this is important for you to understand the motives, means, and opportunities of this woman that we see today. If you're, we're gonna, we're gonna build a criminal case. Everyone's talking about Comey. Well, you know what? Out of the 2,314 words that he did say, I'm gonna just break from what I was talking about and just give you the money quote right now. Yeah, because uh, many of his conclusions contradicted Clinton's often repeated assertions. Right. And uh, many of his comments also pointed out specific lies that you told along this process. Exactly. Of and, investigation. And I'm going to be, uh, regardless, I'm, I'm going to be putting something up on the inter- uh, on, on our website and probably Canada Free Press on, uh, as well on this. But <coughs> the the fourth paragraph from the end, <clears throat> James Comey said this, FBI director said this, to be clear, this is not to suggest this is after he decides not to they're not going to make a recommendation to to file charges to be clear this is not to suggest that in similar circumstances a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences to the contrary those individuals are often subject to security or administrative sanctions but that is not what we are deciding now okay it's right here. In case you don't believe me, it's the fourth paragraph from the bottom on the official James Comey FBI transcript. It's highlighted, and uh, that's what he said. Now, many people are going to look at that and say, oh, wait a minute. For example, Rush Limbaugh. Oh, there's hope. There's hope. Oh, maybe Comey's, you know, maybe there is hope there, right? Don't no, be depressed no, no, about no. that. Yeah, don't be depressed. Oh, it's uh, it's uh, Comey's really smart. No, yeah. no, he's compromised is what he is. And like I said, I'm not sure that Limbaugh went that far, but there, I've seen some articles that have went that, that far. That make the interpretation. That say that, oh, he, what he did was brilliant. He put, uh, you know, at the very least, he exposed the levels uh, and reach of the Clinton lies and corruptions and the breaking of the law. Um, even though, And he did lay out some of the examples, only stating that, you know, there was no intent behind them. But from what I understand, six federal laws were rewritten by the FBI in order to issue the verdict they did. Actually, a combination of laws or federal regulations and handling of materials. Yeah, the National Review writes this. uh, FBI rewrites federal law to let Hillary off the hook. And we can. Right. I'll get into this later. Yeah, I'm gonna because I'm gonna give you that. Important to me. Yeah, and I think I think that's that's a good, uh, more prescient 
aspect of this, but I'm looking at Hillary the person because what I'm about to tell you, no, I'm not sure how many people really know this, know some of this. Um, but in, in August of 1968, when the Chicago 7, when they incited that massive violence at the, at the Democratic uh, National Convention, there were massive countercultural protests and violent riots in Chicago. Where was Hillary? Where was Hillary? Did you know that she was there? Did you know she was there? No. That's not to say that she, you know, actually took part in, in, in those protests and violence, but she was there. Now, I don't believe in coincidences. I think she was there, and I think she had a hand in, and it's my personal opinion that she had a hand in, in the orchestrating the violence. Now, if you go back to uh, Hillary, the woman, in uh, when she went to Wellesley, her senior thesis on the, uh, she wrote a, a thesis. And what was her thesis about? Folks, you remember? It was publicized. Let me remind you. It was about Saul Alinsky. The, the theories, the theories of radical, uh, 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 radical change, the cultural change by Saul Alinsky. Now, Alinsky, of course, we all know who Saul Alinsky is. If you don't, please take some time to research who Saul Alinsky is. He's re- by the way, he is regarded by many as a proponent of a very dangerous socio-political philosophy. He's been uh, um, the guy is well, he's 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 a he's a Marxist essentially. But Hillary's love and affinity toward uh, Alinsky's method and ideals led her to believe that um, things like the Immigration uh, Act of 1965 and the anti-poverty, the war on poverty by Lyndon Baines Johnson, they didn't go far enough. Then we drag in Cloward and Pevin at that point or right after that, and you can see this Marxist philosophy developing. Now, again, why is this important? Because we're establishing a behavior, some behavioral analysis, and we're getting into the woman. And you're going to see how this really, this course of conduct threads through Benghazi, the email scandal, and all of this. She, uh, she left, uh, you know, she graduated uh, Wellesley College in 69, and she was offered a job. Her and Alinsky were writing back and forth, communicating back and forth. She did her thesis on, on, on Alinsky. Well, she left Wellesley in 69, and she was offered a job with Alinsky's IAF, which is the International, or I'm sorry, Industrial Areas Foundation in Chicago. Instead, though, she opted to go to Yale Law School. Now, she would remain a very, very close, uh, well, she, she had allegiance to Alinsky, his tactics. She continued to correspond with them. They, they made, they had a very friendly relationship. And, uh, Hillary wrote a letter, and you can find this online or references to this online, in July of 19, in fact, uh, yeah, July 8th of 1971, which is what, uh, 40, 45 years ago now. She wrote a letter to Alinsky that began, Dear Saul, when is that new book, meaning Rules for Radicals, coming out? Or has it come out and I somehow miss fulfillment of Revelation? Uh, I have just had my 1,000th conversation about um, uh, uh, 
about Reveille, I'm sorry, and need some new material to throw at people. You are, you are being rediscovered again as if the new left type politicos are finally beginning to think seriously about the hard work and mechanics of, uh, organizing. Now, okay, so now we can see where she is uh, adhering to the, the tactics of a community organizer who has Marxist, obviously Marxist leanings. Now, if you go to HillaryClinton.com, if you go to HillaryClinton.com, one of the huge talking points of Hillary Clinton right now is her treatment of women and of children. She's an advocate of women and children. In fact, all of the television shows, all of her ad spots, all of her print matter, all of the, every place you go, Hillary's the champion for women. Let me tell you a little bit. Let me tell you, give you a little bit of information. Let me tell you something about uh, about that. It was in 1975. After after Yale, she went to Yale, and, and folks, you can you can see a lot of this on, online. But after Yale, um, she decided to, or she, she began working as a as a defense attorney for a law firm that was essentially full of communists. I mean, I don't know how else to to say this. All right. Um, in 1975, it was uh, it was on May 10th, 19, 1975, when a young girl, a 12-year-old I, I say his name without fear. Number one, he's dead. Number two, he admitted to raping and savagely beating this 12-year-old girl. In fact, she spent five days in a coma, ten months in physical rehabilitation, and ten years in the therapy. At the time of the attack... They told this 12-year-old girl, the parents, that chances are she'd never be able to bear children and she would have lasting physical damage. Well, it was interesting because Hillary Clinton was asked to defend this man as a favor. Alfred, or Thomas Alfred Taylor, wanted a female attorney to defend him. She was given a choice. You want to defend him or not? She said, absolutely. Now, folks, I understand. As a defense attorney, you, you, you've got to you've got to defend your client as best as possible. I understand that. But what happened is almost, in, in my view, unforgivable, if not unethical. Again, we're talking about a twelve-year-old girl beaten with an inch of her life in a coma for five days. physical therapy for 10 months therapy for 10 years Hillary knew that Taylor was guilty of this crime and she she made it clear 
a number of years later when she discussed the case in there was a 1980s interview with a, a guy by the name of Roy Reed from Arkansas. Okay, you can find this interview. It's it's actually an audio interview. Now I want to I want to at this point break again from script and, and divert your attention to remember the interview on camera that Hillary Clinton did with CBS or ABC News, one of the news stations, where she laughed at Gaddafi's death and said. We came, we saw he died, meaning Gaddafi. All right. The interview that was done with Roy Reed about this particular case, if you listen to the tapes from that, that's the same type of attitude because here's what she did. She decided to represent Taylor, Thomas Alfred Taylor. She had him take a polygraph test which she passed and she laughed says that that forever destroyed my faith in polygraphs because there were two eyewitnesses in addition to ample forensic evidence and and the guy's own admission now aside from the guy's guilt Hillary obtained a plea bargain for this guy by taking advantage of an, a uh, an error by the prosecution what the, what happened was this. The prosecutors had confiscated Taylor's clothes, including his underwear. And on his underwear, there was a, a lot of blood. The prosecutors had cut a swatch out for testing, came back, test matched. And the lab had discarded the swatch that was tested. That didn't mean that there were other, um, that didn't mean that there were other areas that could be tested. Well, Clinton, said, I'm, you know what, um, we're going to ask that this case be tossed out on a technicality. Again, knowing full well of this guy's guilt. And, and as a matter of fact, we are going to buy our way out of this if necessary. We are going to consult with a New York-based forensic scientist who had a reputation. I'm not going to name this individual. I do know this person. Uh, this, this scientist helped defendants such as Taylor, by providing pay-to-play testimony. Okay? Imagine that. A forensic scientist. What, what, what do you want me to say? Okay. My fee is 10 grand. So, she ultimately, she got this guy off for time served, which would happen to be two months in the county prison. And, she, and, and during the 1980s, she laughed about this. In the 1980s interview, she laughed as she recounted to Roy Reed that she told the prosecutor, yeah, we got a guy that's about ready to come to New York and, and, and prevent this miscarriage of justice. Okay, now you've got to understand the context in which that was said. When Reed asked Clinton about the outcome of the case, she replied, well, oh, he plea, plea bargained. We got him off time served in the county jail. He'd been in the county jail about two months, and she laughed. This, over a 12-year-old girl, beaten within an inch, within an inch of her life, raped, unable to bear children, Those tapes, you can, you can, you can find those tapes online. I believe, um, 
you can find them on a couple of conservative websites, but to hear the audio, re- in fact, uh, yeah, you, you can. You can hear the uh, audio recording of Clinton's interview with Roy Reed. Just go ahead and search Roy, R-E-E-D, and Hillary Clinton, and you can hear that disgusting interview. You, you might have to fast forward to that particular section. Now, subsequent uh, subsequent to the uh, the trial, you can also find the court files online, too. Here's the character of Hillary, Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton. It was not just merely enough to have the case tossed out on the prosecutorial uh, misconduct, or technicality, basically. She attacked the young victim's character by calling into questions her motives and her honesty. 12 years old, 6th grade, saying that she fantasized about having sex with older men. Now, here we are, 2016, and, and people might be thinking, well, this is all just fine, well, and good. What does this mean? To Who cares about this? It's 40-some 40, 40 years ago. That victim in the 1975 sexual abuse case. That was her first criminal defense case as a 27-year-old lawyer. And she she only spoke about this, I think, once. And that was to Roy Reed. Check out the Washington Free Beacon for more uh, files, but you can, you can see... Um, you you can you can you can see what 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 Hillary Clinton is made of. There was a long and very emotional interview with the Daily Beast, where the victim, now much older, of course, in her fifties, accused Clinton of intentionally lying about her in court documents, going the extraordinary lengths to discredit evidence of the rape, and later acknowledging and laughing about her attacker's guilt on the recordings. So to any, anybody out there who is a Democrat, or really meaning progressive, Marxist, whatever, and if your sister-in-law comes up to you and says, yeah, well, she's pro-woman, pro-child, tell them about the case. Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton's first case in 1975 with the man named Thomas Alfred Taylor. Ask them to read up about it. There is your woman supporter. There is your child supporter. Oh, but she went on and became part of the children's uh, network and such. No, it was all for money. Very quickly. Very quickly. In October of 75, Hillary uh, married Bill Clinton. Of course, she met him at Yale. You know the story on that. She had some affiliation with Carter and the Legal Services. The Legal Services Corporation of, of Jimmy Carter. Very interesting work, which led her into the employ as an attorney with the Rose Law Firm. 
where she continued to work until 1992. Now, she had no job offers in Arkansas and only got hired by the University of Arkansas Law School at Fayetteville because Bill was already teaching there prior to her employee at the Rose Law Firm. And if you really want to know something else that's pretty sad about this potential uh, presumptive nominee and what makes her tick, she failed the Washington, D.C. Bar, bar Examination. A total of 817 people took the D.C. Bar Exam in the summer of 73. She was one of the 266 who failed. She did pass a bar exam in Arkansas. Okay, just to, just to be clear on that. She had some work with, with uh, obviously, with uh, Jimmy Carter. But as Bill Clinton served as governor of Arkansas from 78 to 80 and again from 82 to 92, Hillary Diane the Witch spent a total of 12 years as Arkansas's first lady. Now, of course, that was split up. During that time, she continued her legal practice at the Rose Law Firm in 78. She became a board member of the Children's Defense Fund. That's where you're going to see people saying, well, wait, she's for kids. And from 86 to 92, she served as the chair for the Children's Defense Fund. All right. Now, what's really important, again, is, is the handling of her first case, her relationship with Alinsky. But wouldn't she be after she became First Lady of the United States? Did you know? And if you did, forgive me, but I want to remind you that she made her thesis off limits. Now, at first, it was available. Remember I mentioned her senior thesis about Saul Alinsky? At first, it was available. Then she said, oh, I don't want it made available. Well, when Clinton, Bill Clinton, became U.S. president in 93, the Clintons asked Wellesley College to shield Hillary's senior thesis from public access. They complied. In fact, they, they said this. Um, I found the wording ex- extremely interesting. The president of the college approved a policy that would make the senior thesis of every alumni available in the college archives for anyone to read except for those written by either a president or first lady of the United States. How's, how about them apples, huh? Well, right around the same time, Clinton, and this is an important piece or important phrase for for you to really kind of latch on to, the politics of meaning, folks, remember this phrase. You're going to be hearing more about this phrase, the politics of meaning. It's really this, this nebulous, smoky concept that was coined by a guy by the name of Michael Lerner. And what this did, what this phrase is, is it blends radical politics with new age human potentialism. Think Joel, think an amalgamation of Joel Olstein and Oprah Winfrey and uh, um, Tony Robbins. I think maybe that might be a not not much of an understatement. 
To this day, however, she refuses to talk about her relationship with Michael Lerner. Now, Travelgate scandal, of course, you know about that. In 93, seven people, Axe, Boot, you're out of there. She was a big part of that. And, of course, many people blame that and other things for the death of Vince Foster. We're going to do a special program on Vince Foster. I believe certainly the totality of preponderance of evidence shows that Vince Foster was murdered. Not He did not commit suicide, but was murdered. This is my, in my view, and my, based on my research. And I believe that there, there are those out there who are attempting to, to, to sell the suicide theory to cover up for the greater crimes of, of uh, Hillary and Bill and those people around him. But when you look at Hillary and uh, the radical uh, clerics, even back in the 90s, the Clintons had this really strange relationship with uh, with a lot of uh, religious individuals, including Islam, Islam uh, Muslim individuals, um, and a blend of Marxist, Maoist, socialist uh, adherents that also had religious positions. For example, um, in her 2004 memoir, Living History, Hillary praised Reverend William Sloan Coffin Jr. He served as Yale's chaplain for his articulate moral critique of American involvement in Vietnam. But when you look deeper, it's not about Vietnam. It's it's it is about aiding and abetting an enemy of the United States. Okay. The moving forward, and, and again, if you think, and I, I don't want to keep apologizing, and I'm not going to do this anymore, if you think that this is a waste of time, to build a profile, an accurate profile of Hillary Clinton, you need to understand why she's doing the things she's doing and how she's getting away with it. Because it was during this time period, from her time from uh, 19 years of age, 18 years of age, right through her Arkansas days, her college days, and her days in Arkansas, the governor's mansion, and as first lady, and then in the circles of the Washington politics. It is for this reason that James Comey had to come out in 2,314 words, and say, yeah, we're not going to recommend any charges, because it's different for Hillary Clinton. And this will also give you insight into what Hillary Clinton is going to be doing um, as the occupant of the Oval Office. Now, I want to skip ahead very quickly here. I've got 72 pages worth of information right here, and I only went through, I think, uh, I think about nine. I just want to, I just want to skip a couple of things here and tell you this. Bill and Hillary Rodham Clinton at the epicenter of their extremely corrupt criminal cabal of globalists is the Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Foundation is worth $250 million. It's a quarter of a billion dollars today. That's how much it's worth. Everything leading up to, through, and including all of the offshoots of this foundation 
touches every aspect of globalist life across the planet. It's, it touches law enforcement. It touches politics. It touches science. It touches technology. It touches everything. The, the green, the environment. Through this foundation and the power, the money, is the control. Is where they drive their control. You can look up the economic policies, of course, of Hillary Clinton. You can look up the um, all of the other stuff that you can research on your own, her voting record. But what I found interesting, too, and I'm going to kind of close out with this, is Guccifer 2.0 hacked the email servers of Sidney Blumenthal and others. Comey said as much. Russia and Iran and China have every single one of her emails. Aside from the obvious, there's evidence that the that Hillary Clinton along with her husband as secretary as secretary of state were arranging um and, and you can you can see this and I'm uh, we're up against the top of the hour so I'm not going to really get too far into this some of the donors or I mean foreign donors here sold I, I mean uh, if presented to a courtroom the donors to this particular foundation or one of its offshoots through Canadian companies, through outside companies. You can see where favors, political and technological favors, acting as the bagman or go-between, between technological giants and between foreign companies or foreign countries like China, like the United Arab Emirates, like Qatar, Kuwait, you can see where she and Hiller and Bill had sold technology, or certainly it would appear to me that they sold technology, American technology, to these countries. Using the foundation as the laundering mechanism to do so. The... Um, And, of course, there's graft. There's political favoritism. Newly released state documents back in uh, June of this year. Newly released uh, State Department emails revealed how a major Clinton Foundation donor was placed on a sensitive government intelligence advisory board, even though he had no obvious experience in that field. That is uh, reported by ABC News. Now, when ABC News reports on a matter of this import, then you know that there is some there there. And, of course, they're talking about a prolific fundraiser for the Democratic candidates and contributor to the Clinton Foundation. A guy by the name of Rajiv Fernando. His only known qualification for a seat on the International Security Advisory Board, which is the ISAB, was his technological know-how, um, which was minimal at best. 
fact, many people. Uh, we're talking about tactical nu- nuclear weapons here. The scientists and those people in control said, we don't even know who this guy is. So, Fernando's lack of any known background in nuclear security caught the attention of numerous board members of the ISAB. And when the ABC, when ABC News contacted the Department of State in August of 2011, asking for a copy of this guy's resume, the email showed, showed that confusion ensued among the career government officials who worked at the advisory panel. They couldn't find the email. They couldn't find his resume. But yet they could, uh, yet, uh, documented, of course, was the huge sum of money for that position. The bottom line with this, and, and, and I skipped over so much more that, that, that needs to be said, because what you have is a, is a woman who's demanding an end to mass incar- incarceration of, of criminals. She's calling for criminal justice reforms that will forever change the criminal justice community. She's calling for, uh, basically for the, uh, well, she, she's calling for, uh, uh, no charges to be laid against anyone who sides with the, uh, with the Democrats or the progressives or the, or the Marxists in the cases of in the larger cases, such as Black Lives Matter, the New Black Panther Party, and other uh, and other such groups, she talks about the immigration status of her grandparents. Nothing but lies. She talks about opening the the flood, floodgates. That again, Lyndon Johnson did not go far enough. And when you understand how far Lyndon Johnson went, you understand how scary that statement is. She calls for again, as I mentioned, letting blacks and other criminals out of prison. She calls for opening the doors to any and all Muslims without regard to any type of, uh, without any regard to any type of, uh, security uh, check. She's calling, and she will call for not just the ban, but the confiscation of all weapons in the United States. And if you look at some of the, and, and I'm going to close with this. If you look at some of the captured Guccifer 2.0 emails, not you're not going to find. You know, I support the confiscation of guns, but you will find at the tail end of some of the conversations a prima facie case to say, "Hey, it looks like she's talking about the confiscation of all weapons of all of Americans here in the United States." And if that doesn't make you think, then I don't know what will. But use that in the context of this. You can see she's going to be the next president of the United States based just solely on the fact that the system is rigged. Folks, we'll be right back with more on the Hillary Clinton email scandal, the FBI's recommendations, and more. Stay with us for hour number two right after this. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. 
exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. back folks to this hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report. The first hour was giving you some behavioral and um, well some analysis and background on Hillary Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton um, and setting the stage for what happened today and, and I'm just going to uh, uh, bring bring it back here uh, just very quickly and then I'm going to kick it over to Joe but uh, Hillary Clinton announced her candidacy on April 12, 2015 to run for the run on the Democratic ticket. Now we are getting into, and it doesn't matter. I mean, we have a lot of research already conducted and uh, uh, printed and sent to various locations about the Clinton Foundation. But to tell you a little bit about Hillary Rodham Clinton and the power that she wields behind the scenes, okay, I, I just want to, well, even before that, let me explain the um some of the things that she has said in her platform for 2016 and beyond, because this is going to affect each and every one of us. She uh, has depicted all Republicans, all conservatives, all Bible-believing conservatives and gun owners as racist and xenophobes. She, along with Bill, through her shell company, has minimize their own tax obligations. And by the way, in May 2015, it was learned that uh, the Clintons uh, had been using WJC LLC, which is a, as a pass-through company, okay, a shell company with no employees, no financial assets. Now, now think about this. To channel payments to the former president for consulting and other services that he provided. So, this is like a Cayman Islands. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did, did, did you know about this? No. Okay. No. Yeah. WJC LLC. It was set up in Delaware on December 3rd, 2008. Mm, Delaware. That's like the Cayman Islands for corporations here in the U.S. 50. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. But it, this happened to be two days after Obama announced Clinton as his choice for Secretary of State. So WJC LLC was subsequently transferred to New York in 2009 and then returned to Delaware in 2013 with Bill Clinton signing a document as its authorizing person. Now, because it had no assets, there was no tax liabilities and nothing due and no papers that had to be filed for uh, her presidential campaign announcement. All right? Very crafty indeed. Something if you and I did, I think they think the IRS might look a little bit hard at us. Um. And, and throughout the past several months, she has been speaking about America's continuing white racism and white privilege. 
Now look, I am not a racist, and and I don't I don't care about a person's skin color. I care about their character and integrity. But I do find it extremely uncomfortable when you have a, a presumptive, well, someone who will likely be in the White House, uh, who uh, saying it, white privilege, white racism has to stop, and it's because of the Bible-believing, faith-based Christians that are causing the xenophobic and homophobic and Islamophobic issues. Clinton, also Hillary, also says that calls for voter ID act, you know, the, uh, the identification of yeah, the voter. probably violates constitutional it's rights. Fear-mongering. It's based totally on fear-mongering. She's called for the restoration of felon voting rights. She's called for non citizens to have the right to vote. And I don't know if you saw today, but on the Obama amnesty plan, they dropped the requirement for learning English as part of getting the, your, your visa. Exactly. So, there's no attempt here at assimilation. No desire yep. for assimilation. See, it's the desire for assimilation. Now, one more thing that's near and dear to my heart as an investigator, I'm, I'm looking at the money. Planned Parenthood. Now, it's interesting because many Christians will look at Planned Parenthood and won't talk about Planned Parenthood. Or they'll look at the Center for Medical Progress and they'll, they'll say, you know, those guys, the Center for Medical Progress who got those videos did so in, in a manner that was not, um, they lied. And, and as Christians, we don't lie. And, and, and therefore, they're as bad, if not worse, than Planned Parenthood. Yes, there are people who have written that out there, okay, who are out there have written that and said that. But when it comes to Clinton, uh, Hillary, in July 2015, um, well, I'll just, I'll just kind of give you the broader view. The Clintons have accepted tens and tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in contributions from Planned Parenthood and its employees. The uh, Planned Parenthood uh, let me let me be a little clearer here. It's actually the um, uh, it's a pack related to directly tied to Planned Parenthood. It's the Planned Parenthood Federation of America, um, the nation's largest uh, abortion provider. But uh, Planned Parenthood is a key PPFA. It's they're a key player in the network of of many Marxist groups who support Clinton's political career. Uh, with hundreds of millions of dollars pledged to her, to her uh, uh, campaign, and she's received, of course, Planned Parenthood's highest honor, the Margaret Sanger Award. And folks, you've heard this before. Look at Margaret Margaret Sanger. She was talk about a racist. She believed that abortion should apply to anyone who is mentally or physically impaired and blacks. Okay, and she stated, Clinton stated, and I quote, I admire Margaret Sanger enormously, her courage, her tenacity, her vision. When I think about what she did all those years ago in Brooklyn, I am really in awe of her. And there are a lot of lessons we can learn from her life and the cause she launched and fought for and sacrificed so greatly. This of a Hitler-esque type individual, and speaking of Hitler, <laughs> she has likened or she has compared conservatives, Bible-believing Christian conservatives, and conser- social uh, conservatives and Republicans in general 
who favor the enforcement of immigration laws to the Nazis. Now, we get hateful email when we do that, yet she says, wait a minute, if you believe in the immigration laws, period, then you are nothing, you are just like the Nazis. The illegal activities by the Clinton campaign, getting, um, um, on September 30th last year, and I, I'm sure we reported on this, the Daily Mail, and you're not going to find this in the, in the mainstream press here in the, in the United States, re- reported that a Hillary campaign worker who was helping Hispanics in Vegas fill out the voter registration forms you get had been caught on hidden camera video committing a felony by telling the registrants which candidate they needed to support at the polls. In other words, doing everything but checking the box for uh, the Democratic candidates. And she spent, um, no, I'm not going to go through all of this. I mean, th- th- there's probably 30 different illegal activity campaign accusations, assertions, and proven activities of the Clinton campaign. And she, by the way, for those anyone of means out there, and you know this, she's proposed more than a trillion dollars in tax hikes over ten years. And um, of course, we've got the Ben Benghazi uh, situation. We've got the email situation. We've got donors who have received positions and have. Uh, uh, I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And of course, the hacked emails now. So where does Comey fit in to all of this? He comes up and says, look, I believe that our, you know, we, we did a class act investigation. This is not political. Folks, it's not really Comey. It's not his job, okay, um, to, uh, it's not his job to prosecute. It's his job to recommend prosecution. So what happened? Where was the disconnect here? The Department of Justice made it clear to Comey and the FBI that they could not recommend prosecution under the laws as they were, Joe had said, rewritten. Does that mean that no laws were broken? Absolutely not. And I, again, refer you back to that money statement, the fourth or the last paragraph saying, to be clear, this is not to suggest that in similar circumstances, a person who is engaged in this activity would face no consequence. To the contrary, these individuals are often subject to the security or, or to security or administrative sanctions, but that is not what we are deciding now. People are relying heavily on that word now. That decision is not up to Comey. It's up to Lynch. Just so you know. All right. And uh, the the little meeting on the airplane with Lynch and between Lynch and, and uh, Billy Bob, it was not coincidental. It was not just the happenstance. Clinton, Bill Clinton, had made sure that uh, that their schedules or they would their paths would cross, and that's indeed what happened. What was said on that plane? If you ask Larry Nichols, of course, Larry Nichols has a, a couple of different ideas, and and he should know. He wrote the playbook for the Clintons. It's very possible that something was said by Hillary or by Bill Clinton saying, "If you don't let let her skate, or if you don't, you know, just let this go." Well, it's very you know it's very possible that uh, you know you you. Well, I'm I'm not going to speculate, but you can, according to what Larry Nichols said, was there were there were threats and insinuations made against Lynch. 
So, and, and I, I certainly have to believe that. Joe, go ahead. I'm, I'm starting to run out of steam here, and I apologize, folks, if I sound a little bit disjointed, but I am really trying to fight this off. No, I know you are. And uh, when you're feeling crappy, that's not an easy thing to do is come on the radio, especially on video. But with your case, radio is probably just as bad with the talking and whatnot. Um, but let's go over some of this stuff. I want to hit this. Um, we're going to go over what Donald Trump, what his response was to the FBI decision. Yes. We're going to talk a little bit about what the FBI director revealed, <clears throat> Loretta Lynch's role. And as well as this article from the National Review, FBI rewrites federal law to let Hillary off the hook. There you go. I was kind of surprised when I saw this one. And it starts out by saying there's no way of getting around this. According to Director James Comey, disclosure, a former colleague and lifelong friend of mine, Hillary Clinton checked every box required for a felony violation of Section 793F of the Federal Penal Code, Title 18. With lawful access to highly classified information, she acted with gross negligence in removing and causing it to be removed from its proper place of custody, and she transmitted it and caused it to be transmitted to others not authorized to have it. In patent violation of her trust, Director Comey even conceded that former Secretary Clinton was extremely careless and strongly suggested that her recklessness very likely led to communications, her own and those she corresponded with, being intercepted by foreign intelligence services. Yet, Director Cuomo recommended against prosecution of the law violations he clearly found on the ground that were there, there was no intent to harm the United States. In essence, in order to give Mrs. Clinton a pass, the FBI rewrote the statute, inserting an intent element that Congress did not require. But see, th- th- that's an incorrect statement, though, because the FBI cannot rewrite statutes right. or laws. Well, uh, well, okay. Okay, there, there's the an executive CFRs. order under uh, 13562. It calls for, uh, this is one of the Obama executive orders that called for the proper classification and storage of, of classified emails or the proper handling of classified information. Right. Now, um, this goes on to talk about the intent. As, as you said, the FBI can't do it. But one of the things we talked about under the federal regulations, uh, what, what these agencies under the Obama administration are able to do, like the head of the EPA, head of the FDA, and whatnot, are allowed to implement new laws through the uh, federal regulations without getting it passed through Congress. But I have not seen the proof that they actually have changed any laws as of yet. But this goes on to state that the added intent element moreover makes no sense. The point of having a statute that criminalizes gross negligence is to underscore that government officials have a special obligation to safeguard national defense secrets. When they fail to carry out that obligation due to gross negligence, they are guilty of serious wrongdoing. The lack of intent to harm our country is irrelevant. People never intend bad things that happen due to gross negligence. Now think of um, the the NSA uh, Snowden. What did he do? He allegedly took sensitive or secret um, USA information and disclosed it to the public. He went to Russia to be on the run. Um, you have a number of other cases, and I was looking on this forum earlier, and a lot of them talked about this. There was one case in particular um, 
where it was either an FBI agent or here it is uh, Nishimura Brian Nishimura found guilty for removal and retention of classified materials uh, not too long ago at all in a scandalous announcement FBI Director James Comey moments ago said that although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information uh, and he goes on to give evidence of that our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. He added prosecutors uh, necessarily weigh a number of factors before bringing charges. There are obvious considerations like strength of evidence, especially regarding intent. Responsible decisions also consider the context of a person's actions and how similar situations have been handled in the past. But, Joe, and, and, and folks, one of the one of the major things... And once more, people have to really look closely at this. What was missing from the Department of State during Hillary's tenure there? Or, or who was missing? The Inspector General. All right. Yeah. So, you can have all of this. It's, okay, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it it becomes increasingly difficult, or it is increasingly difficult without an inspector general to put together a case. Uh, the inspector general would be like the IAD, the Internal Affairs Division of a police department. Okay, when you've got no internal oversight, not that you need, um, or not that it's the be-all and end-all, but it, it, it would. you've got to have that, or you basically need... And well, Inspector General, okay, yeah. to, to point out where the holes are. Okay. But see, this is one thing that they had a lot of the information already. I mean, as Cuomo laid out today. True. He laid out her contradictions and he laid out the fact that she did break the law. And if you look at yes, one year ago. So what? You know? One year ago, Folsom Naval Reservist sentenced after pleading guilty to unauthorized removal and retention of classified materials. This is from the FBI's own website, as you can see on the screen here. Right. In July 20, uh, 29th, 2015, the U.S. Attorney's Office, um, Brian uh, Nishimaru, of 50, a Folsom pleaded guilty to unauthorized removal and retention of classified materials, United States Attorney Benjamin Wagner announced. The magistrate, Kendall Newman, immediately sentenced Niroshima to two years of probation, a $7,500 fine, and forfeiture of personal media containing classified materials. Uh, I'm sorry, Nishimura was further ordered to surrender any currently held security clearance and never again to seek such a clearance. Uh, according to do court documents, he was a naval reservist deployed in Afghanistan in 0708. In his role as a regional engineer for the U.S. military in Afghanistan, uh, this Brian had access to classified briefings and digital records that could only be retained and viewed on authorized government computers. Uh, Nishimura, however, caused the materials to be downloaded, stored on his personal, unclassified electronic device in storage media. He with carried, good intent. I mean, we're, or with ill intent or without ill intent? Well, it goes on to see he carried these classified materials on his unauthorized media when he traveled off base in Afghanistan and carried those materials back into the United States at the end of his deployment. Right. In the U.S., he continued to maintain the information on unclassified systems in unauthorized locations, copied the materials onto at least one additional 
unauthorized and unclassified systems. In any ways, this explains his actions came to light early in 2012 when he admitted to a naval personnel that he had mishandled classified materials. He later admitting, admitted the following statement to naval personnel. He destroyed, destroyed a large quantity of classified materials he had mishandled in his home. Despite that, the FBI searched his home. Agents recovered numerous classified materials in digital hard copy forms, and it did not reveal any evidence that he intended to distribute this information to unauthorized personnel. This case was handled by an NCIS and the Federal Bureau of Investigations, United States Attorney uh, Gene Hobbler, uh, persecuted this case. Well, or prosecuted this case. Yeah. Uh, or persecuted if you're a Republican Christian. <laughs> but long Christian. story short here, this is only one case of at least five different cases I read only today only come across through scanning other news sources um, that has detailed past cases of misconduct and handling of classified information to where a uh, person was put in jail or given a uh, probation as a sentence for more than one year. Uh, We even saw Petraeus as we talked about, right? I mean, but all of this together. I mean, the 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 uh, really the telling signs here. When you had when, when you saw today Obama and Hillary Clinton uh, shuffling off to oh, yeah. Charlotte, North Carolina. Do you know what that made me think of? Uh, Bilderberg, two thousand and eight. Well, it, but 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 how it's relevant here. Do you realize, folks, that it takes it, it takes no less than three weeks to arrange a campaign stop like that. So they had to know. Okay. In a way, <laughs> they're trying to downplay this in the news by saying, oh, well, you know, if Hillary would have went any days earlier, that would have looked really bad for the Obama but, 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 administration. But see, yeah. It's not like they, it's not like, and, and you're right, because that's the same thing happened. So the, they the, didn't the, plan this today or no, yesterday. No, no. And this speaks of foreknowledge of the lack of recommendation by Comey because they had planned this trip a long time ago. Then combine that with the two news outlets, that includes Fox News and CNN and other media outlets, who stated with absolute certainty no there would be uh, uh, no charges recommended by the FBI. So you take those two issues alone and, com- and put those together, and you could see that the fix had been in for a long time. Now, how do you resolve that time difference? You don't because it, it speaks of foreknowledge. And then today, finally, you've got Obama speaking in Charlotte, North Carolina, and typically when you've got an, a, a, a president and then in, endorsing a candidate, they may share the same podium. Go back in history and look at all of the times you had incumbents uh, speaking on behalf of um, the, their party's candidates. How many times have you seen, folks, a candidate for office standing behind a podium that, that retained the presidential seal? Now, that might not seem like a big issue to you, but the optics, people are talking about optics, optics of the meeting on the tarmac. No, no. The optics here is to to program the masses to to put Hillary, Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton, behind the presidential podium. And Obama had done just that, despite 
despite the illegalities and despite the the color of potential problems. So you've got all of this taking place. Okay. Now, how does this fit in? I guess the, the, the bigger question is this. How does this fit into the plans of the New World Order? Remember the cover of The Economist of 2016? Remember the cover of The Economist. Hillary, Diane, Rodham, Clinton only. Not in the black and white. Not in the black and white. And she was the only presidential candidate on that cover. I fear for the life of Donald Trump. He, he goes everywhere. I mean, everywhere he goes, every speaking engagement, he wears a bulletproof vest. And, of course, he's got his own security on top of Secret Service. But and we've talked about the three to five gentlemen that were arrested in yep. previous weeks on attempted assassination or bringing guns to rallies with intent to harm. Right. Donald Trump. That's right. Now, I, I will say this. This makes a lot of people frustrated and angry, as well as it should. However, this is not to say that we should not resist, that we should not keep fighting. And, you know, what comes to my mind is, well, you can't fight City Hall. This is the programming they want you to believe in the larger picture. Well, Hillary, look, look at everything she has done. You can't fight City Hall. The fix is in. Yes, the fix is in, but the more we expose it, the more overt the tactics become, the more we can assail this, the more people we can wake up, and the more people we can actually bring to our side, and which which is the side of, of, of integrity and character, moral spirituality, and ultimately win them over to, to God for the, their, for eternity. Okay? But, uh, what this, how this plays out, I believe what we're seeing here, Joe, is biblical in nature. Um, Ted Brewer on his show today spent the first half hour of his program talking about talking. Oh man, he wow! I mean, you talk about uh, he's he, he saying yeah. no, it's saying he didn't have a purple stick, but but he, he explained this from a scriptural standpoint. The judgment of God is here, I believe. And I believe this is all part of it. I, I do believe that we are going to be left with this woman, but we need to, uh, it's my belief that we need to plan how to deal with a Hillary Clinton. Uh, we need to think two or three steps ahead of her. How, how are we going to deal with that kind of a presidency? Now, that's not admitting defeat. That is, we better have a plan B. If plan A doesn't work, let's have a plan B. And I'm not ready to concede defeat, but I am saying it's looking pretty bad because when you can control the outcome of a vast investigation like this, and Ted said something really interesting, and, and I and I and I couldn't shake this because how many people out there do you know who are saying, well, this is all about nothing? The, the emails, it's it's a manufactured scandal. Benghazi, manufactured. All of this is all just manufactured scandals. The legitimacy of Obama, manufactured scandal. I mean, insert insert conspiracy here. Oh, it's nothing. How many people are deluded into believing it's nothing? Are we not under a great delusion? About two, three weeks ago, there was a poll where 71% of Democrats said that they would support Hillary to run for the White House and vote for her, even if she was indicted which I think was very telling. Now, Donald Trump 
he came out today and called the FBI decision on Clinton emails a total miscarriage of justice. And Donald Trump today, Tuesday, said the FBI's decision not to pursue charges against the Clinton and her private email server is a total miscarriage of justice. He went on to say, I really believe what happened is shocking, and it is certainly shocking to legal scholars. And I watch them and I talk to them all the time, he said in an interview with the O'Reilly Factor on Fox News. They can't believe what happened, whether it's General David Petraeus or others who suffered grave consequences for what they did, Bill Clinton. I think it's a great miscarriage of justice. Trump said it was clear from the FBI Director's Comey's comments, including that Clinton's decision to use her private server was extremely careless, that Clinton made great mistakes and is essentially incompetent. Everyone was stunned at the end because if you listen to it, it sounds like she had a horrible judgment. She didn't know what she was doing, he said. She was sloppy. She was about as bad as you can be. And then in the end, the recommendation was what the recommendation was. I was surprised by that after listening to the first half of the speech, especially during the middle. Now he's referring to Cuomo and the speech he gave before clearing Clinton or recommending Clinton be cleared. Earlier Tuesday, Trump tweeted that the FBI decision in the case proved that the system is rigged. As for the tarmac meeting between former Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton, and Attorney General Loretta Lynch, who later announced she would accept the recommendations of career prosecutors in the case of Hillary Clinton's email practices, Trump suggested both sides had bigger motives for the meeting than just saying hello as a courtesy. And I would agree with him. Yeah. You don't meet, yeah. uh, you don't, Meet 30 minutes with the attorney general as an ex-president, uh, an attorney general who's overseeing an investigation into his wife. And I would say that Bill was giving Loretta Lynch a message of a non-indictment saying, yeah, you can, oh, sure, you can put it sure. out there, not to back, or to put it out there to back the recommendation because the recommendation is not going to be damning to my wife's campaign. Oh, I, that's, that's exactly what they talked about. Well, well, I, I, I have a, I, 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 yeah, I don't know what was said, but I do well, but way, there's no paper trail or phone. I mean, you know, the FBI and the Attorney General's office talks, but um, and and they, 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 they recorded. By they, the way, they, they are bypass that, but yeah, they are mandated by law to uh, have either a, uh, a a a mechanical or a written recording of the meeting. That's just as an FYI. And by the way. It was reported last year that, um, well, the Wall Street Journal reported on August 6, 2015. And, and I just want to, again, put this in perspective. You had Comey come out today and say what he said. Um, Clinton's use of a private server is a violation. That, just by itself, is a violation of the Espionage Act, yep. which is part of the U.S. Criminal Code, which makes it a crime for any government employee, even if it's gross negligence as Comey alluded to, to allow national defense information to be removed from its pro- proper place of custody. Now, the, 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 you had Bresler, who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. He accidentally took home a, a few classified documents on his personal computer, and he was arrested. You had the, numerous other situations as you went through. But it wasn't until August 11th of 2015 when Clinton finally agreed to turn over her private computer server to the feds. The transfer was made on August 12th through, of course, the Denver-based um, company, the IT company, uh, by 
uh, what was it called? Uh, uh, Plot River Networks. Okay, but anyway, uh, before I get too far down that road, when we look at the Clinton Foundation, the donors, and how this, this and the the Huma Abedin relationship with Hillary. Can you verify this? Yes, I sure I, I can. Gucci for dead in jail. I do, I can't verify that. No, I don't know. Remaining hacker with access to Clinton emails found dead in jail cell. Well, that that would it's from Christian Times newspaper. That, that would certainly flash right up there with John Ash, who was dead with a barbell across his throat. And people are saying, well, that's you know he didn't have anything on Hillary. It wasn't about Hillary. Well, that's partially true. It, it was tangential to the Hillary uh, Rodham Clinton case. Well, he admitted um, that he got it into the back door of the server Gucci not once but yes. more than twice yes. and he, at first he says he didn't really understand what he stumbled onto but through Sidney Blumenthal's account he and this is from memory from the initial report we read I think maybe two weeks ago I know I still have it right up here but th- if this is true this is um, well wow, it, it wouldn't surprise me very damning and this is on Christian Times News Paper.com, Christian Times yeah, we can't Newspaper.com. I mean, I, I look, I don't but know. But they're saying, the uh, Christian Times newspaper has learned that Guccifer, the Romanian hacker currently being held on charges for Hillary Clinton's personal email ster- server, has been found dead in his Virginia jail cell. Dead yeah, of an yeah. apparent suicide. Well, I've never heard of that, of that, of that, uh, media, or that. Christian, uh, yeah. Account. Um, um, but, 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 okay, so, so where do we go from here, or what's going to take place from here? Um, uh, I, you're you're going to see some additional magic shows through some civil action. Take there, there will be some action take place. Civil action, some additional Freedom of Information Act requests taking place. There's going to be some. Uh, um, there's going to be a lot lot of no. weird things that take yeah. place. Okay, but the so take line, this is with a grain of salt before we verify it. All right, because well, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I, look, I don't think that I see nothing in the search engine. No, but. no, I. I, I no, I mean, I mean, look, I don't know, but so, would they so have the, that much goal? Sure, they would. Well, of course they would. Of course they would. The the yeah yeah. Um, the other part of this too is, can you not imagine itself served as a honeypot for foreign governments? We, I had talked about the. Uh, I talked about the the uh, Hillary Clinton. He's missing. Who? Guccifer? Okay, well, whatever. But the fact that she had a server that was open to potential hacking, what if it was the intent from the beginning to be a honeypot or to be a a, a drop box, if you will, for foreign governments for, for the pass-through of information? I think that's entirely possible because right now you've got China, you've got Russia, and even Iran that has benefited from this information. And oh, by the way, when you overlap Hillary Clinton, the email issue and and her personal involvement with Huma Abedin and the Muslim Brotherhood, when you overlap that with the Clinton Foundation and then you then you overlay that like a transparency over uh, the geopolitical arena, meaning uh, technological secrets as we saw being sold to China from Bill Clinton or given to China by Bill Clinton in the 90s. It's my belief here 
that there could very well be more of an intent um, to create havoc, to create chaos, especially in the Middle East. Look what they did overtly in the Middle East with the Arab Spring, with Libya, with Iraq and Afghanistan, and this includes Bush as well. Would it be so much of a of a mental leap to suspect that that they would take this unsecured, virtually unsecured honeypot drop box of information and make it available to our enemies for the purpose of chaos? I think not. I mean, I I, I would I would think that that's a pretty good pretty good possibility. Alex Jones was talking about that today too. Roger Stone, who some people say, oh, he's discredited and I don't like him, was talking about that very issue as well. So when you start getting everyone together, and isn't the timing interesting? And I'm going to end with this. Isn't the timing interesting? You had the blow or perceived blow to the globalists in the form of Britain getting out of the European Union, and now other countries ready to jump ship. And now you've got this basically open road, free and clear for Hillary Clinton to take over the reins in the Oval Office should she beat the uh, Republican contender, contender Donald Trump. It seems as if the road is being paved ahead of her and for her by other globalists who certainly know a whole lot more than we're being told and that the... Uh, uh, the media is reporting on. So this is bigger, deeper than just the, the politics of it, just the optics of it. Everything is being scripted, in my view, by, um, well, through a biblical, when, when you look at this through a biblical perspective, I, I truly believe you you will find that that there is some demonic origins here that are that, that's necessary to to further create, and and quickly so, a one-world government, new world order. And this is exactly what's happening. And isn't it a coincidence that the, um, right now, we have, from the New York Times, Obama will need to, will need his oratory powers for selling globalism, or to sell globalism. Now, Folks, if you remember at the beginning of the Obama presidency, the end of the George Bush, no, I'd say the entirety of the George Bush presidency and the beginning of the Obama presidency, where there was a lot of talk in 2003, 2004, 2005 about a North American Union and, and globalism. It was deemed by the Department of Homeland Security that people who believe in a new world order and a globalist agenda are conspiracy theorists and possible domestic radical extremists. Yep. And there were uh, articles, there were radio show hosts, both in the mainstream alternative media and mainstream TV hosts, from Rachel Maddow to Bill O'Reilly to Glenn Beck, who well, Beck started to, to get in on this before he left Fox News, but never really got into um, you know the FEMA, the globalization and the ending of the sovereignty of America. If you look up from, I don't know, if you do a search on a uh, time period between 05 to uh, 2010 right. and you look up you know globalist conspiracies you'll find so much literature from so many 
NGOs, uh, UN-tied organizations and government-tied organizations right. and government organizations themselves laying out how the North American Union, how um, the end of U.S. sovereignty, all was this big conspiracy theory made up by these kooks and crackpots who were scared and racist because the president was black and, uh, you know, 9-11 happened. Per, a lot of this precedes this. Right. I mean, you had 76, uh, not dare call a conspiracy by mm-hmm. Gary Allen, all being laid out back then. So right. Right. Um, it has nothing to do with race or, or Obama, except to say that Obama is... I want people to understand this from the context of of the whole mainstream media narrative, the whole presidential, two presidential administration narratives. Right. Have done everything in their power to label people who believe in a new world order and globalization as just, you know, tinfoil hat wearing crazies. I mean, they've done their best. There's books out there on it. There's, uh, you know, Department of Homeland Security, uh, lexicons and guidance documents detailing and defining these terms and these beliefs and what kind of people believe in them and none of them are good um, but obviously here we are uh, President Obama is going to North Carolina and Europe this week he will press an, ag- an argument that could define foreign policy in the last six months of his presidency that Americans and Europeans must not forsake their open interconnected societies for the uh the nationalism preached by Donald Trump okay. or Britain's Brexiters, R- r- right now, and I should have mentioned this earlier because I, you know, here I am interjecting myself. But where where all this comes back to the 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 um, uh, the vitality, the life of the Clinton Foundation must be kept alive for globalism to continue from this point forward you're looking at donald trump as as a contender you've got hillary clinton on the other side okay the globalists always hedge their bets they always have plan a Mm -hmm. plan b plan c i bet the convention's a plan that's right now now in order for clinton or in order for the globalism i should say or the new world order to be put in place the at this point, because of the tentacles of the Clinton Foundation, that at all costs must be protected. If you look at the Clinton Foundation, and I, and I talked about this on, on Dave Hodges, and we've looked at it on the show, especially this, the speaking fees, the um, oh, tax, more than the, that, I mean, the the lack of tax filings, the uh, foreign governments' uh, contributions in exchange but, for favors. It's the initiatives. And, it's the initiatives of the oh, Clinton yeah, Foundation, yeah. the Health Access Initiative. It's the Climate Initiative. Now, they're, think they're about up this. there with Bill and Melinda Gates. Now. Right. Uh, the uh, Health Care Initiative, mm-hmm. the Economic Opportunity Initiative, the Clinton Development Initiative, which mm-hmm. which is a philanthropic. Uh, issue that deals with Africa, right? Okay, and, and don't Primarily. forget, you know, Bill Clinton was on uh, all about uh, the national health care. Hillary Clinton right. talked about it more so than Obama did before right. he became the the elected renegade in chief. But but, but and, it's, and, and tomorrow I'm going to be getting into the Clinton Foundation, specifically that very narrow path, because they need this foundation in order to accomplish their goals with respect to the, the New World Order, One World Religion, and yeah. to censor us from, the, to take us off the air, because we are talking hate speech, and to reclassify Christians as, as haters. I mean, and, go ahead. And just as Obama 
um, and their administration has put Muslims and the Muslim Brotherhood personnel in key positions of power all across our uh, our government in different levels, from judges to uh, heads of, of different departments. The Clintons have done the same thing as her capacity as Secretary of State. She sold positions. She sold favors to foreign governments, even had under all the microscopes of the Benghazi and the email investigations and all the other investigations, had a rush on a recent donor to the Clinton department to get a security clearance when this guy had a a fuzzy background and had no experience for the position that he got. Um, Well, in the latter half of 2012, a Clinton Foundation employee, a guy by the name of, and I I said this on on, uh, Dave Hodges' show Sunday, uh, Jihad El-Haddad left his job there from the Clinton Foundation to take a full-time position with the Muslim Brotherhood. All right? Now, the Washington Free Beacon um, said that Haddad's tenure at the Clinton Foundation actually overlapped with his official work for the Muslim Brotherhood. So here you've got a guy that's working for the Muslim Brotherhood and the Clinton Foundation at the same time, and he he began his work in Cairo in February February of 2011, when he when he took control of a project called the Renaissance Project, which was a Brotherhood-backed economic recovery program for Egypt. And isn't it interesting how the Clinton Foundation tentacles have reached into this and you've got you've got uh, uh, Huma Abedin and her entire family associated with the Muslim Brotherhood as well, and then you've got the donors by the Muslim from the Muslim Brotherhood who are using, uh, as you pointed out, other NGOs and parties in other countries, including and especially Canada, and even some in Mexico to funnel money into the foundation itself against the laws of the United States. By the way. And some of it's pretty overt. In 2002, the government of Brunei gave somewhere between $1 and $5 million to the Clinton Foundation to help construct the library. The Clinton Foundation had received between $1 and $5 million from uh, uh, Ferris, a a philanthropist who was the deputy prime minister of Lebanon. Yeah, you see how the United Arab Emirates has, has also been a rich source of revenue for the Clintons, the and Clinton Foundation as well, and they, because they had sent a million it's uh, amazing. The, dollars in 08. The similarities between the Obama administration and the Bush administration, and it's even more amazing about the Hillary Clinton uh, foreign allegiances and the Bush foreign allegiances. I mean, forget... Bush, Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and Obama are the same type of evil. They will take all the money from yeah, these foreign right. superpowers who are committing acts of terror all across the world. We've had, what, three new ISIS attacks, one in Syria killing uh, 30 in a northern Syrian city. Baghdad and Turkey. Baghdad, over 250 people dead. Yep. Uh, and it was the end of Ramadan. I forget what the uh, judge headline was. It was... Um, Something ominous, yes. But, I mean, what happened in (laughs) Iraq and Baghdad yesterday, um, 200, and we're going to hit this in the third hour, along with economic news, um, some flooding news in China. Stan talked about, you know, watch for this thing. I don't know if this is what he was talking about, but I wanted to get into it. What's going on in in Venezuela, as long as some domestic stuff with Planned Parenthood and Syrian refugees. But 
Um, the Baghdad bombing death toll has risen to 250 people. So, okay, but, but what about what about Saudi now? Because now you see some things. Well, the House of Saud, the the petrodollar. I mean, this is uh, obviously their importance in our government and the highest levels of our government can't be denied because they've been around for so long. Bush or Clinton, Bush one, um, you know, Bush two, Obama, the Clinton, you know, wife now. Right. Their right. influence is bought with our petrodollars. Well, it, it's in, just in the oil situation okay. over there, the deals that we have with them. Now, we go back to 9-11, you look at 15 out of 19 hijackers came from Saudi Arabia. Osama bin Laden's family is the, is the, um, they're the kings and queens of Saudi Arabia. Right. They're the first Bush business partners. They helped them start his first oil company. Uh, Obama, Ramco, just like Bush, yeah. goes over there and bends over and, and, and you know, basically pledges Obama. allegiance. Yeah. yeah. Same as Bush with holding hands with Bandar and, uh, uh, um, wet kiss on the lips too. And then you see this overlap with the money to the Clinton Foundation from the Saudi Arabian government. As the, of 2008, just to tell you, the money the Saudi Arabia had contributed somewhere upwards of 25 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 25 million to yeah. the found Clinton Foundation. Now that buys you a lot of a lot of uh and buys you a lot. I know where this is kind of off left field, but I I know you're going to be taken off the next hour, which is, is perfect because we got a chance coming up and a lot to get into. But I wanted to ask you this. Maybe you can touch on this on a different show this week, or we can get into it next week. Uh, Kennedy Jr.'s plane crash. I understand. This is doing some research. I'm sorry, would you just say? When Clinton was running for her Senate seat. Did you say Ted Kennedy? Not Ted Kennedy. His uh, was it John Kennedy Jr.? J- yeah, JFK Jr. Who died in a plane right, crash right. in the... In, um, New York, or uh, yeah, yeah, up in the northeast. Well, up, yeah, yeah. And they said it was due to fog, and then the weather proved that it was flying upside bad. down, right? And he, had a, yeah, and he had met, you know, he sucked flying. And well, I was doing some research in it, and from what the the author of this, it was a PDF report. It was like a ten page uh, insight under this, and I I don't I'll have to find it and send it to you so you can read the same thing I did. But it talks about um, possible through the Clinton Foundation, involvements of the Clinton for that Senate seat in New York in 2001. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Um, okay. And I didn't know if you I, I know, before. Yeah. Okay. yeah. In fact, folks, what Joe's talking about is you'll have to go back to in, in time um, into the run-up. Look at the at the geopolitical uh, uh, or look at the domestic political situation in New York State. You had Clinton running for the senator against Lazio, Rick Lazio. Um, but before that time, around the time of JFK Jr.'s uh, untimely demise, you had JFK Jr. as being perceived as a threat to the Clintons. Yep. Okay. Um, and I didn't think there was much to it when I first started reading it, the but there was. Too. There was. Uh, and many people, you know, argue, well, many people, I should say, uh, I know that there's a book out there that deals with the subject too, but, uh, there are quite a few people in places of power that think that he would be, he would have been where Obama was today had he not died in that plane crash. Uh, and that you know, has not, something to do I'm, with it. I, I'm not so certain about that. Yeah, Clinton, I don't know either. Um, and, and, well, yeah, Plane crashes are, are always interesting. Because I don't remember themselves. these. Wellstone. I was too young uh, for 
for this right to, to remember the situation but okay. just reading it it just it sounded exactly like it came out of the playbook of of Solinsky and and what the Clintons do. Well, and if yeah. folks you don't believe the Clinton body count, do some research on that. Yeah, I mean, there, look, there's a lot of of good information, a lot of information out there about the body count, and and I know that some some may seem like a stretch, but at some point you have to look at the statistical probabilities, and and I think that. Any normal piece person of, of rational sensibilities would look and say, "Wow, man!" Now, being a, a being in a position of power, I know, I know just just us being um, somewhat well known. I, I mean, maybe that's not the right thing the way to say it, but we, we know a lot, of, or a lot of people know us. And maybe I don't know since our last appearance, wherever maybe there might be thirty people who have passed away that we met. And somebody, somebody could possibly say, wow, look at this body count. Um, not the same, but y- you see where I'm going. Well, these with are people this. directly right, related right, to right. Clinton and their inner circle of politics and of right. power through, from Arkansas to Washington, D.C. There's mysterious deaths right. surrounding the Clintons. And even if you cut the list in half, it's still Oh yeah. I mean horrific if you if you even take a third of that half seriously. I mean and look at you know, we talked about what the Obama uh, body count looked like with the we've had Larry Sinclair on That's the right. show, we've had Larry Grathwall on the show, we've exposed this um you know, facade of what you know the Jeremiah Wright Church really was about and you know, what was going on there before he became well known, before he became or when he was a state senator before he became, and as he was becoming the nominee, um, after the election, before the swearing in or inauguration, three out of four very close associates at his church who was in the, who were in the choir, who were part of this club, uh, of, of the bathhouse, um, ended up being shot dead in the head in three separate occasions within a week or two of each other. Yeah. Um, you know what I forgot to mention, Joe, and, and you know, while you were talking about that, uh, James Comey, the FBI director, one of his first tasks was to take over the investigation into Bill Clinton's pardon controversy. I don't know how many people remember the Bill Clinton pardon controversy where he granted executive clemency, commuted sentences and such. Um, you well, know, he, he, he was back in the one he, he, he had to look into that. We're going to be right back with Chance from American Survival Wholesale, then more news and information on the other side. Stay with us. Is the Global Star Radio Network. Never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. 
Welcome back, folks, to this hour, final hour of the Hagman Hagman Report. Uh, I'm Doug Hagman with Joe Hagman together. Something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Thanks for bearing with us. We're both a little bit on, on edge here. Uh, Joe's going to have surgery tomorrow. He's going to be out basically the rest of the week. And then I'm going to be joined by Josh Tolley during the second, uh, during hours two and three tomorrow and, uh, Thursday. And then Friday, we're going to have Coach Dave Dobmeyer in studio. Don't want to miss that. So please, your prayers for Joe, his surgery tomorrow. I'm sure he's going to do well. And then I'm just kind of fighting off some crud, I don't know, some uh, chemtrail crud perhaps. Now, before we get back to the program, i got a brain teaser for you. Okay, okay, everyone pay attention and tell me who said the following, okay? And um, let's see. I'll do something I don't normally do. Let me see if I know how to do this. Yeah, I can go into... I will go into the YouTube chat room. All right. So I'm there now. All right. There we go. I'm there now. All right. So the first person to answer this question gets an attaboy or at a girl. Who said the following? You ready? Mm-hmm. The Department of Justice, in my view, is run by political appointees of the president. The United States attorneys are political appointees of the president. But once they take those jobs and run this institution, it's very important, in my view, for that institution to be another in American life. That, hyphen, because my people had to stand up before juries of all stripes, talk to sheriffs of all stripes, judges of all stripes. They had to be seen as the good guys and not as either this administration or that administration. Okay? Did you hear what I just Mm -hmm. said? All right. I think I made sense. I think the inflection was proper there. Who said that? I'm going to leave this to the audience. Who said that? Okay. Uh, no, not Loretta Lynch. No, not Eric Holder. No, not Judge Jeannie. Not Clinton either. Come on. I, we talked about them all night tonight. All right. Martin Luther King? No. All right. Uh, all right. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It was James Comey. That's the only, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the only person you didn't say. James no. Comey. So, and don't forget, James Comey, um, uh, just so people understand here, and when you look into his background and his appointment as FBI director and some of the, the uh, associations James, James Comey has, he's pretty well respected in the media law enforcement circles. He's pretty well re- respected by members of not just the media, but of his, the upper echelon of the FBI. And enter chance. But, go ahead, but, okay, I'm just going to say this, but he's got some baggage, and when you start looking into the oversight, or the associations of Comey and uh, what what happened in his uh, personal and professional life in the past, you're going to see some interesting interesting things that will give you answers to what's taking place with the uh, current investigation. Go ahead, sir. And on the other side, when we're done with Chance here, um, whatever time is left, I want to start off by talking about um, the propaganda war throughout this email campaign, the little dribbles of hope that we were, you know, quote-unquote, given by the FBI and by FBI 
pundits close to the FBI, oh, all these agents will quit if Hillary's indicted, and oh, it looks like, you know, an indictment's coming for sure. She definitely broke the law to yep. prove it. Remember the, yep. all those little nuggets of hope that we got? Well, we're going to yep. get into that yes. after we talk yep. with Chance from AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. Prep, prep, prep information. Uh, okay, some solid information about preparations and security. Yeah. Chance from American Survival Wholesale is with us. Chance, welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Blessings from the great state of Texas where cowboys are real and 80% of the population is armed and trained. <laughs> Amen. Okay, tonight, guys, we are going to discuss something that... Um, I think it's very important. We were going to discuss preps, but tonight we're going to discuss home security, and I'll tell you why here in a minute. We're going to go into depth on the tips and tricks to keep thieves out of your home and things that you can do to limit the losses while you're away. So we would ask again that you take note. It's very, very important uh, as we are coming into a time of uncertainty, to say the least and possibly a massive increase of nationwide crime. But first, guys, let's pray. Father, tonight there's a sense of frustration, a moving through the remnant. We pray, Father, for the Holy Spirit to move through the remnant, instilling peace into our hearts. We pray for our country, in which many of us have served and some have died to keep us safe at home. Father, we pray that your will be done in the hearts and minds of those who choose to commit crimes against your children in the name of politics. Father, we pray that you keep every person listening to this prayer safe from the evil hand of the enemy. And a special prayer to our sister Jennifer who is bringing your remnant together through the internet, through technology, to share and provide fellowship to those in need, that you bless her efforts, Father. Father, tonight we pray especially also for Joe's surgery, that it's flawless and perfect in every way. Father, we pray for Doug, that he is healed of any afflictions, so that he may continue to be a bright light to so many of your children. And these things we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Chance. Amen. So just a, a couple of stats, guys. Um, there Last year, there were more than 2.3 million burglaries reported in the United States. That's basically one burglary every 15 seconds, according to the FBI. This just proves how easy it is for burglars to gain entry into your home. But before you make some big purchase on a security system, I'd like to give you guys some tips. These these tips are gonna be affordable things that you can do yourself in a weekend, okay? Uh, number one, very important to get everyone involved. Hold the household meeting. Talk about security with every member of the household, including the kids. You guys should agree to a routine and, and should include simple rules like doors and window locks. It, it costs you nothing and it takes very little energy to keep your doors and your windows locked. Make it a habit to lock every door and window when leaving, entering, and before bedtime. 
do not ever open the door to uninvited or unwelcome visitors. And most important, close and lock the garage door. I don't know about you guys, but you've traveled up and down your street and, and seen how many folks leave their garage doors wide open. That is a giant entrance right into your home. Secure your home even if you're doing work around the house in a yard. It only takes a thief just a few minutes to come in and take things from your home and put your family in danger. Use your alarm system if you have one at all times. This is uh, interesting, and I want you guys to um, think about this. Um, I want you to think about organizing a burglary. And what I mean by that is have a close family friend or a family member that does not live in your home pretend to burglarize your home. See if they can get in. See, uh, you know, for at least five minutes, see how many valuables that they can find and get them out of the house and how fast that takes. Take lessons from that experience and then take the precautions necessary to get your valuables put away. And we're going to go into that by buying a small safe, anything that bolts into the floor, take the deposit box, or stashing, you know, important things like jewelry and cash in places that most people would not think of. Uh, a lot of folks have a hidden house key. Don't do that. That's the first place that a thief would look. So under the mat, inside the mailbox, they all know that. Beneath a rock, everyone hides a house key. Don't do that. Instead, give it to a trusted friend or family member. Your garage door remotes and extra keys, don't leave those uh, around the house. Secure them as well. Hide them if possible. Uh, I suggest that you buy four for biting signs like uh, beware of dog, uh, alarm system, uh, no trespassing, uh, even uh, you're under surveillance. You've seen those. Get those on every inch, near every entryway, near uh, every exterior window. But get those signs and stickers placed. That might make the difference between you and someone down the road getting burglarized. Another tip, jewelry and cash. Never hide cash like most people do and jewelry in your dresser drawer. That's the first place the thief will look. As a matter of fact, this isn't a sales pitch, but check out our hidden wall safe. It looks just like a, uh, an electrical outlet and can hold $5,000 in $100 bills. And, Chance, I don't want to interrupt you here, yes. but, um, I don't know, 2014, in the middle of a radio show, um, got a call that my house was, was robbed, was burglarized. And and what you said about the doors, the windows, the little things you can do, as it turns out, um, we had normal size windows, but in the in the back of the apartment there were there were real small windows, and they were up kind of high. If you were outside, you'd need a ladder or something. Well, one night I didn't lock uh, one of the little side windows, and here um, somebody went to that little window. Must have checked all the other ones first because that was the last one they were able to get to. Took a chair out of the neighbor's deck uh, furniture setup stood on the chair and gained access to the house, unlocking the door for, for other friends to come in. Uh, didn't have a security system at the time. The, the From what I understood, the people spent 20 to 30 minutes in there, completely trashed the house, got away with some valuables, pretty much the only valuables we had in there. 
and uh, got away with it. Yeah. Long and short of it, got away with yep. it. And if if I can add two things to what you said, Chance, going back to the uh, perimeter security in the house, the, the locks and doors, um, I would recommend, highly recommend that everyone invest in a good lock with a deadbolt. But One also, or two. right. But also, please, 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 especially if, if you've got women and children at home, and, and this is something that I, I cannot speak highly enough about, um, use extra long screws in attaching the door frame Absolutely. to, okay, and do it in a manner that, you know, would, I mean, attach the heck out of it. That's number one. And number two, any windows that you have, it's worth its weight in gold. 3M makes a shatterproof window film. Um, now, and it, people have windows on their doors. People right, have, uh, right. you know, easy access windows to their basement. Whatever vulnerable point of access, the window, wherever the window is, um, yeah, that's where you start. Yeah. Well, right. Most you work vulnerable. from the ground up. But I would please recommend having a, a 3M um it's a name brand window film put over your windows have it professionally installed you can do it yourself but you know because that will buy you some extra five you know extra three four minutes and if you look on youtube you can see uh, how difficult it is to break through the glass with the window film and i can't believe how many people will spend two hundred dollars on a lock and a deadbolt, and then have a window right above mm-hmm. that somebody can just, you know... Without an alarm system, right. you know, they can just break the right. window and unlock it right from outside. Go ahead, Chance. Well, no, Doug, actually, uh, you've already hit on some things that we were going to discuss. Those are great tips. Thank you so much for that. Um, matter of fact, Joe, we were talking about, uh, you were saying your home got burglarized and how that happened. A lot of people will store ladders next to their home in a tool shed, what you've done is you have provided a tool for your burglar to get up on the second story of your house and climb through a window that you normally would not lock. No one would think of locking an upstairs window because we don't have Superman thieves, but if you provide the tools for them, absolutely they're going to do so. So if you have a ladder, lock it up as well. Put a, a big padlock on your tool shed. Don't give them the tools to break into your home. Absolutely. Okay, moving on. You're moving on. So uh, we're going to talk about securing your weapons as well. Now, we've been talking about things that you can do on a budget and you're on your own time on a weekend. But I'm going to mention one thing, and I'm going to get, actually give you a brand name. Uh, we spend a lot of money on weapons to keep our families safe. You do not want those weapons getting in the hands of the bad guy. Number one. Those are your weapons. Number two, he could use that weapon in a crime, and now you're going to be in front of uh, a detective answering a lot of hard questions. So I'm going to give you uh, just a, a few tips. If you have a safe, a gun safe, a lot of people don't do this. Bolt it into the wall or the floor into a main stud or a main uh, frame into the floor. Bolt it down, number one. Um, another item that I really like, and it's called the Gun Vault Speed Vault. This device allows you and only you to have access to your handgun. 
it is important that you have access to it and that your children uh, don't have access to it, but if you need it, it's there. Within three seconds, you place your hands on this device, it unlocks an electronic holster, and now you have your weapon uh, to be used to protect your home, but no one else can take it. This bolts right into, again, a main stud into the wall. So it's gun vault, speed vault. We do not sell them. I just, I highly, highly recommend that. Uh, so we talked about uh, during cash, you know, again, um, you don't you don't store these items in, in places that uh, everyone does in like a dresser. Um, well, do, do me a favor, Chance. Send me send me yeah. the uh, send me the uh, utility or the uh, outlet uh, with the uh, five thousand dollars, just so I could see. Uh, roll, roll up the five thousand dollars inside that and send it over to me. I just want to make sure that you're not lying to me. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Looks just like an outlet, uh, you know, you install it in the wall just like an outlet, but it uh, folds out and you can store uh, precious jewelry, heirlooms, cash, and uh, no one would know the better. Okay, we're going to move on because I know we're going to be short on time here pretty soon. Um, next tip, well, you already know this, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Light up the outdoors, people. If you don't have it already, buy and install the, out, the, the lighting with the infrared motion sensors, uh, one near each point of entry. Um, replace any of the light bulbs um, when they burn out and uh, install timers. If you're going to go on vacation, uh, you can uh, install timers to have your TVs come on at certain times, lights to come on at, at uh, certain times. Matter of fact, there is a device Another device uh, that I'd like to recommend, uh, it simulates the flickering of a TV. It's called Fake TV. I think they're like 30 bucks. And you turn this device on, you put it near a window, and it looks like there's always someone home and, and that they're watching TV. So that's, a, that's another great tip. Here's another one that we don't uh, think about, air conditioning units. How many people have these window air conditioning units mounted in their bedrooms, in their homes? They are so easy for a thief to put a pry bar in there, break that bracket, and go right into your home. You just provided them a big hole. So make sure that you secure these with a type of bolt that don't have the Phillips head or hex head screw on them, meaning they're flat. We've all seen them. They're just flat bolts. You can only access them from the inside, not from the outside. Um, eliminate hiding spots. So we don't want a thief to be able to sneak up on your home and just kind of hide until he sees that everyone's gone to bed. And the way you do that is you just keep your shrubbery trimmed, you know, your bushes, keep them trimmed so that, uh, you know, it doesn't make a, um, a spot for um, a burglar to hide behind. Um, check windows. Make sure all of your window locks are operable. Over the years, they do wear out. Uh, we paint them sometimes. We paint them in and they're inoperable. So if they're broken, get them fixed, replace them. It's a very inexpensive part. Uh, another one is um, doors. So, Doug, you talked about this a little bit about locks. Uh, you know, you do get what you pay for uh, in locks. You don't want that um, 1999 special. You do want to spend the money on a quality lock set. Uh, they actually have grades. They're grade one or grade two, and they usually come in a set, 
with a, a hand and a dead bolt. So spend a little extra money uh, to put a good quality lock on all of your entrances. If you have any uh, shoddy doors like um, the hollow doors, get those replaced with a good quality exterior door that's solid wood. Sliding glass doors, um, they have a latch, but the latch, if you know, if you really tried hard enough, you could uh, bypass that. It's very easy to do. Uh, you can buy a safety bar that goes on the floor track, and uh, you can also buy a floor bolt that uh, that keeps uh, others from the outside of uh, gaining access into your home. So you can um, even use a, a cut uh, two by four if you know until you get the uh, more secure metal um, piece or something that is. Uh, metal that that will fit in there, but yeah, that's a very easy for the sliding glass doors exactly. as far as being able to open them and, while and, they're locked. And, and please, folks, invest if you've got French doors or sliding glass doors. Please invest in window film, shatterproof. That that'll slow down the perpetrator. I guarantee it. And please do that. Go ahead. No, absolutely. Listen, I uh, what's been on my heart is uh, I believe that we are coming into some dangerous times, guys. And um, I can tell you that when the EBT cards get shut off and when folks are, you know, on the move to feed their family, you know, a good man's going to cross that line. And so I think now more than ever, you really want to pay attention to these tips to what Doug has to say as well. Um, this window film, I think it's a fantastic idea. I just believe that soon, very, very soon, we're going to have to take these precautions to keep our families safe. God bless both of you. Uh, Eric, uh, you and your family, and uh, Rhonda, God bless you. Thank you guys for having me on tonight. It was absolutely a pleasure. Well, thank you, sir. Any, any specials you want to mention before we cut you loose? Well, I gotta tell you, we are, uh, I thought about that. This, this information is just pro bono. The, uh, Independence Day pack was a huge success. Uh, you guys, uh, I'm so glad that you prepared. You've got our team running around here like ants with their heads cut off, but, uh, you know, we're gonna get these packs out to you guys. It was a huge success, so thank you so much. We sent out, uh, I think every one of the missiles that you sent us, Doug, those, uh, coffee mugs, uh, they're all gone, brother. So um, thank you for that as well, and uh, we just appreciate supporting your ministry. All right, sir. Well, thank you, Chance. That was a, a, a big help to us and, and a way to get people uh, the Hagman and Hagman mugs from, from purchasing your uh, Independence Day pack, and we're glad to hear that the listeners supported and, and took advantage of the, the pack as well. And um, just prepare, keep coming folks. up with this good stuff yeah. you got, Chance. AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. That's AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. Please, folks, prepare. Thanks, Jens. God bless you, guys. All right. God bless you, too. Yeah, and one more thing, Joe, I just want to add when we're talking about this. Um, I've noticed, and, and, and I don't know how many people out there have noticed this, but, um, uh, well, Surveillance? Do you know how to spot surveillance? Do you know if someone is following you? 
Okay, learn how to spot surveillance. Maybe we'll do mm-hmm. a program on that one time. But we should we can do it right from your uh, tactical surveillance manual? Well, yeah, that's out of print, by the way. And anything you see online is is not what I wrote. Okay, just so people understand that. All right. Anyway, um, th- th- there is something that that Chance mentioned that I want to mention to you. How many people shop online? For example, Amazon. All right. No. Yeah. Here's a problem. Now, here, here's a big problem, folks. You are going to expose yourself to a potential problem. Please listen to me very carefully. All right. How many people out there have reviewed products? Many, right? You've reviewed products. Okay. Well, I, I we if you know how, and I'm not going to give you a, a, a lesson on how to do this. I'm just not going to do it because there might be bad people listening out there. But if you've reviewed a product, let's say you reviewed a pair of work shoes, I can find out who you are. I can find out the other products that you purchased. Mm-hmm. Okay. For example, there's one guy. Who I, I don't I don't have I particularly don't care for very much. I found out that he purchased, of all things, a fake security camera, and not only a fake security camera, those little decals that go with the fake security camera, like the stickers that yeah. say, yeah, say uh, surveillance yeah. in progress. Right. Let me tell you something. If you see and you would see at my home. Uh, surveillance camera because every square foot and joking the test of this every square foot of my home and the studio is under video and audio surveillance but if so if you see a, a, a camera on my home or in my, my you know our studio you'll know it's for real but so think about this anytime you review a product you are opening yourself up to telling other people that you purchased what you purchased so if you purchased like a dummy security camera you don't you don't have to review it i could tell you that you bought it i'm not going to tell you how you can do it yeah you're gonna have to go through some steps that's a little frightening out there and don't use facebook or any social networking as some sort of um, <laughs> going on vacation. Yeah, really. Going grocery shopping. And going, to, going to the uh, amusement park with my family today. And disable geotagging. Okay. Oh, yeah. Disable any and disable met, all the metadata from your images that you upload to Facebook or any social uh, platforms. You know, I just you brought to mind when I, uh, a few years back, I went to go... <laughs> My grandfather went to stay with my aunt in West Virginia, and I had to go pick him up, and I took my cousin with me. Um, it was about a five, six-hour drive, but every town that we went through, every city we went through, he would be on Facebook on his phone, and it would automatically register, oh, he just entered such-and-such such county or such-and-such such town. And I was th- you know, thinking in my head, why would you do that? You know, it's too bad that we didn't have the, 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 that electronic capability as investigators yeah. when we, we were doing this. I mean, we did at the, at the, the end. very end. Yeah, but 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 uh, right now it would be a whole other ball game. Oh, sure. But, but but the fact is this, folks, and I'm being very very serious about this. When you review a product online, uh, I, and I can find out your identity through. Let's just say, clarify review. Do you, when you say review, okay. do you mean purchase or let's just no when you well, are. You, Okay. Searching for something, you put it in your cart, we'll say, you take it out. Okay. 
Um, I don't want to get too specific. Yeah, because I don't want to give people ideas out there. I guess define review. Okay, well, let's go with Amazon, and let's say you buy a pair of work boots. All right, and you, and you, so you're you're under the name. Well, let's say you're using the name A, period person. Okay, so uh, a, in other words, it'd be like Adam, person right. or whatever. Uh, that's not your real name. So you you buy the the, the, the boots and you, and you and you review them. Okay, by doing so, you open the door to me being able to look at your past purchases, and I'm not going to tell you how, and what you've reviewed on other media mm-hmm. sites, yep. and I can also see what's in your wish list. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's why they're there. You see what we're saying here? You're exposing yourself. Now, yes, so, but, but th- now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't review products, I suppose. It just means be smart about it. If you were going to buy a dummy vi- uh, video camera, don't review that. And certainly if it's in your wish list, get it out of there. Okay? Uh, I mean, uh, so because if I wanted to, the, this guy known as a person, through my just my cursory investigation, I could, I know basically where he lives. I know what he's purchased. In fact, I know he operates a motorcycle. I know he also has a nine millimeter. And the reason I know that is because he purchased some um, off uh, Amazon a um, uh, accessory for. I'm not going to even go into you know what, what it was. And I know where he lives. Did that say that? Anyway, not the living so, part. So I know that when I, if I'm if I'm after this guy, I know that when I approach his house, that that camera up, up in the front door is just a dummy camera. Chances are, I don't I don't really know that, but you know, and uh, and then you could also you could also too if you rate dog food, if if they're little 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 cans of dog food the size of you know a half dollar, you know that this guy doesn't have a hundred and thirty pound German Shepherd. Right, I mean, use your head. On the other hand, if a guy buys, you know, a guy buys dog food by the fifty-five gallon drum, and he's got one dog, you know, chances are pretty good it's gonna it's gonna nip you in the butt. All right. So, and but most importantly, with respect to social networking, please, 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 please. I mean, I never, never, ever post any pictures except studio pictures, and you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, the, the things that even if they knew the location, it doesn't matter because they'd have to deal with a whole nother set of problems, believe me. Um, and also, um, there are, there are people, and especially on, uh, when you get into Christian, well, not, not, let me rephrase that, when you get into, What would you call the social sites that dating sites? Dating okay. sites. dating sites. Okay. When you get into dating sites, there are people who stalk those dating sites and look for the vulnerabilities of women. And mm-hmm. uh, trust me when I tell you this: the one of the biggest untold stories about these dating sites is the number of assaults that have taken place. Remember the Craigslist killer? And, the, and Craigslist is a site, as I understand it, for, like, everything. You know, find jobs or post for jobs, and buy stuff like eBay, but 
you have to be very careful. I mean, there have been right. people who, in our area, I think there was one was killed for a car they were selling. That might have been a national story, but yeah, then the dating sites are a whole other uh, aspect. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Aside from the the commerce sites. Well, um, and this this is one thing that that I learned as well when you when you input your personal information into a data site. You you have to read the the, the terms and uh, conditions. Some of those dating sites will sell off certain parts of that information. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're a brown hair blue eye or brown or blonde hair blue eyed female that is petite. Uh, Eric just weighed in and said, "That's me." Would you say? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> now. Um, They'll they'll use they'll sell that information off to third party vendors to market clothes for you, okay. And sometimes the third party vendors have no way of they 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 don't check the backgrounds of the people that they hire. And I have seen a couple of instances, and I'm not sure of the uh, 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 how how deeply problematic this is, but I've seen a couple of instances where uh, there have been uh, cases of stalking and worse from that third-party information being sold. So please take this very seriously now about, about the, what Chan said, too. Um, and I'm a big proponent, too. If you've ever been inside of a house, and I have, when somebody's kicking in your door, and it's not the cops, all right, um, there's a lot of stuff that goes through your mind. Right? Actually, it wasn't my house. It was my neighbor's house. And a long story. Um that stemmed from the other neighbor domestic dispute, which had nothing to do with any one of us. It just, but bottom line is, you'll wish that you had reinforced your door, and you'll wish that you also had put the time, taken the time to put, you know, those long screws through the frame and into the actual stud of the house. And again, the window film meant police. Uh, one more thing, too. Most people, if and this includes law enforcement. If someone is searching a house, most people don't look up. You ever notice that, Eric? Yo, most people they don't look up. The um, keep that in mind. Whereas they may look down and they may take a, make a second look at it. Despite what I mean, this is not to take anything away from chance at all. Uh, I do think those fake outlets are a great idea. Just place them properly and even plug something into one. But, Mm -hmm. okay, uh, but also consider uh, uh, hiding places above you because most people, when they search your house, don't look up. Just saying. And that's really weird. You know, it's kind of a a weird thing. But I, I hope these common sense things, oh, and the last thing, your car, your car, your car, your car. Folks, make sure if you are a normal, everyday person, you're not involved in surveillance, you're not, you're not a law enforcement officer, uh, make sure that you have working interior dome lights and that you have a remote starter, or not a remote starter, but a, remote, a thing that can remotely unlock your, your vehicle. And don't leave things like laptops or cell phones or, cameras, or even yeah. change visible in your car but yeah. don't leave the others anything valuable in your car what any time um especially i mean if unless you're driving in it 
And, and if it's warm, don't don't you dare leave your dog in there because I'm going to come and hit you upside the head. And actually, when lady uh, when we lady goes everywhere with me, uh, yeah, baby. Um, I actually uh, we have I have a bottle I bought from uh, PetSmart and uh, it's like four dollars, and it turns into a water dish. It's pretty cool. So if, even if it's cool out, uh, I always have it filled with water, and then you open it up and put it on the on the center console or somewhere, and then make sure your windows are down a little bit. But uh, anyway, so there we have it. Uh, okay. I mean, how, how was that, folks? Awesome. All right. Let's get into some news as we close out this Tuesday program here on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Again, want to take you back to Iraq. 250 dead, the worst and most deadliest attack, uh, making it the deadliest such attack since the 2003 U.S.-led invasion. Uh-huh. This is how bad this terrorist attack was. The death toll from Sunday's suicide bombing in the Iraqi capital, Baghdad, has risen to 250. The Iraqi government says making it the deadliest such attack since the 2003 U.S.-led invasion. A lorry packed with explosives was detonated in the Karada district while families were shopping for the holiday, making the end of Ramadan. The so-called Islamic State has said it carried out the suicide attack. An earlier estimate for the attack put the total of death at 165. Iraq remains under the official state of mourning following the bombing. The destruction of the Mission area... Mission accomplished, by the way. Yeah. The destruction of the area was all but complete. Bewildered local residents have held candlelight vigils and prayed for peace. They go through, um, in this BBC article, major attacks that have happened in Iraq since 2003. And, um, as I said, it goes back to, uh, you have a, a detonation that uh, killed more than 200 people in 06 in November. Right. Um, Multiple suicide bombings targeted a Yazidi community in northern Iraq, killed more than 500 people. Um, then you have the U.S. Uh, and uh, U.S. military recruits are killed by ISIS at a former base. Up to 1,700 military recruits were killed, uh, Iraqi, in 2014. Um, but this is uh, the attack that ended Ramadan, as we saw a number in the last two weeks of Islamic State-tied terrorism from the Orlando shooting to Istanbul, Turkey, to Baghdad. You also had uh, 30 people killed in, uh, I believe it was just north of Aleppo, one of uh, Syria's most northern cities. Uh, a car bomb killed at least 30 people it's coming, there. It's coming here. It's and coming here. This well, was scary. just in a, in a, in a short period of time. Like in the last week, you had the Istanbul, you had Iraq, and you had Syria. And, uh, thankfully, we had a safe July 4th here over the weekend. Um, I guess you could say safe. When you look at what's happening in Venezuela, and folks, we've been talking about this, uh, a lot, not in the last few weeks, but before this, as the, Situation with the food shortages continued to get worse there. The inflation of the mo- the money, what was it, a seven hundred percent inflation? In right. this year, they predicted another third, twelve hundred or thirteen hundred in the in the following year. 
Um, they were showing lines of people waiting 12 to 14 hours for food. Parents had to, if they wanted to buy diapers or baby supplies, had to show proof of a but, child. But, but, but wait a second. We don't need to prep. Don't prep. Don't well, worry about it. Venezuela's democratic facade has completely crumbled. <laughs> Today, Venezuela is the sick man of Latin America, buckling under chronic shortages of everything from food and toilet paper to medicine and freedom. Riots and looting have become commonplace. Now, folks, remember, there's been a media blackout in yeah, Venezuela there you about go. Venezuela. Yep. Because we've had, in the last two weeks, um, a U.S. intelligence operative say that he expects the inflation here in the U.S. to increase by 395% in the next year. You've had uh, globalists and other... Um, People who are are known for foreign policy ties and, and Bilderberg trilateral commission ties say that you're going to see the price of food double here in America, with the Brexit results and the yep. the popular popularism of Trump. They're talking about a perfect storm and something that might happen under the Obama administration. Watch before he leaves office, um, and the new president is is sworn in, especially if that is Donald Trump. But this article goes on to explain. Uh, how the Hugo Chavez regime was uh, founded on a fascination for progress worldwide, attracting its share of another world as possible solidarity activists. Today, as the country sinks deeper into the Western Hemisphere's most um, intraceable political and economic crisis, the time has come to ask some hard questions about how this regime, so obviously thuggish in hindsight, could have conned so many international observers for so long. Step one was his uh, manipulation of elections. Chavez realized early as so long as he kept holding and winning elections, nobody outside of Venezuela would ask too many questions about what he did with his power in the interim. He has also mastered the paradoxical art of destroying democracy one election at a time. Venezuela has gone to the polls 19 times since 1999. Chavez has won 17 of those votes. The regime has won by stacking the election authorities with pro-government officials by enlisting their support uh, in a this is what we see uh, va- this is what we see Sanders lavish for. petro-financed patronage by intimidating and marginalizing opponents. It's worked for more than a decade until it didn't work anymore. After every election. And does this sound familiar to anybody? After every Venezuelan election under Chavez, another little piece of the Constitution was chipped away. Courts and oversight bodies were stacked high with supporters. Checks and balances stripped. Basics, basic freedoms eroded. The key was the torrent of oil dollars that poured into the country during the long oil boom from 03 to 2014, complemented by massive debt now estimated at $185 billion dollars. An enormous import-led consumption boom created an illusion of harmony, even as the economy crumbled just out of sight. And, and translate that or transfer that into America today, exactly with the the with the buying purchasing power of the U.S. dollar. And, and consider, okay, the violence and the trade deals. And, and well, this gets exactly. into this, um, you know, as you exactly. keep going. But the oil, the petrodollar. Yep. Again, in the middle of, um, and this is what, from what your research showed. That that was trying to they were trying to do to Russia, and I say they, I mean the globalists in the U.S. through um, the petrodollar, through OPEC, and yep. through the lowering, lowering yep. of oil prices, 
trying to bring in inflation and hyperinflation into the Russian uh, ruble in order, and we saw big losses last year with the ruble in the beginning of this year, and things have uh, leveled out more. Well, I'm not sure this what the loss is going to take down, though. No, no. I mean, don't be fooled about that. I mean, but there's a blueprint here. Gold and silver prices soaring. Yeah, silver is almost at back at twenty dollars an ounce. Right. Uh, gold was at thirteen fifty six, I believe, today. And I usually don't check that, but I it was uh, on Steve Quayle's site when I was reading some of his stories. Um, this article goes on to talk about um, so that was part A and then part B. They say when oil prices fell, the illusion ended, and the government fell back on Plan B: allow elections to go on, but strip virtually all power from every institution it lost control of. Now, think about this in terms of, of the American politics. And it, it goes into um, the media. What happened with the media? The government learned early on that shutting down dissonant media carried major political costs. So it turned to cronies to buy up crucial outlets and rein in their journalists. As dozens of critical journalists who've been intimidated or forced out of their job can attest Media freedom in Venezuela today is a shame. Their areas have been scrubbed clean of dissent. Under the Castro tutelage, Chavez successfully cultivated a pro-poor, anti-American posture. Endless professions of concern for the poor, followed by furious denunciations of the imperialism. But this, too, was a charade. We know now that the fiery speeches professing unconstitutional love and support for the poor were a ruse to deflect attention from the wholesale looting of the state. Well, bottom line is it's happening here. This is, this is the Saul, and, and, and look, this is the Saul Olinsky doctrine. This is what Hillary, Diane Rodham Clinton, this is the same, exact same um, philosophy, the Marxist philosophy that she talked about, that she's an adherent of, a proponent of, and will implement. That, this is exact. What you see taking place in Venezuela and what you see taking place and had taken place in Cuba, not so much because of the embargoes and such, that, 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 but you get the idea, the philosophy there, the, uh, all of this is, is what, what these people, the globalists, including but not limited to the Clintons, this is what they want. Uh, this article from Bloomberg from yesterday was very important. Global negative yield pool deepens as treasuries rally to record. And Pay attention to this, yeah. Yields yep. on 10-year and 30-year yep. securities close at all-time lows. Now, these are the most dependable. The, the yields in the bonds, treasury bonds, are the most supposed to be the most dependable uh, right purchase for St- long-term investment. This is what the foreign right. governments buy. This is what China buys. This is what, you know, they buy the 10 to 30-year uh, bonds or yields. But these now are closing at record yep. lows as the growing pool of negative yield debt worldwide boosted the appeal of U.S. securities. Benchmark yields fell to unprecedented levels as signs of a slowing growth in Europe ended five-day rally across global stocks. A U.S. jobs report July 8th may offer clues to the direction of the Federal Reserve's next interest rate move, it says. And it says the probability in futures markets of tighter U.S. policy this year plunged after the U.K. vote last month for Britain to leave the European Union. The dimming prospect of a Fed hike has spurred a torrent of demand for treasuries with almost $10 trillion in securities in the Bloomberg Global, Global Development Sovereign bond yield index less than zero. 
up from about $9 trillion a week ago. In addition to experimenting with negative interest rates, some monetary authorities aboard are buying government debt, reducing the supply for investors who count on fixed income assets. Well, but they go on to say, look, look too, where are yeah, they going? Well, okay, the bonds are down. Uh, the most stable of all instruments. Mm-hmm. So you got precious metals that are rising. Silver is above 20. Right now it's 20.43. Wow. Gold is 1372.40. Uh, it, it's up, uh, silver is up 44 cents today. Gold, I don't know what, but, but, um, now we're looking at a flashpoint right now. The window of opportunity to, to purchase the precious metals. You've heard this before. It's closed. And as Steve said, okay. if you have the, your water, if you have your yes. food, Yes. Don't, he says, what does he say? Don't buy any precious metals unless you have at least $1,000 worth of, of food. Yeah, another and, perhaps, right. Right, stored up. And right. I would urge the same because nobody knows exactly how, when this thing is all said and done with our economics. And reading Alice Bailey's The Reappearance of the Christ, it talks about the coming Christ or the coming Avatar coming to a one-world order. A world that is already prepared for his coming. And, and there you have it. Now, notice that certain structure, one that's already prepared right. for his coming. What takes place It's a global first. order that's prepared for his coming, meaning right. the system of one-world governance, of a one-world religious, monetary, and political machine will already be in place. That the system that we have uh, read about in Scripture so often right. will be here, and it will be functional from what Alice Bailey says. And, and to, to those people folks, who you can say, read it for free, just look up the Reappearance yeah. of the Christ PDF on, on the search engine. You can read it for free. Reappearance of the Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alice Bailey, right? Mm-hmm. All right. The founder of Luc- Lucifer Trust. Yeah. And, and look, to, to those people who, who, who believe, who don't believe that they have to prepare, good. Good on you. Uh, you know, great. That, that's fine. I mean, if, if, by, if at this point that's the way you feel, There's nothing more than we have to talk about. But for those people who do want to prepare, well, you know, take this opportunity to do so. Look, um, gun violence, they're going to use that, uh, the powers to take away, to confiscate weapons. Do you see a born? 33. Matt Damon, um, yeah, he's, yeah. he's in Australia today saying, oh, I dream about the day that there's, you know, you, uh, total confiscation of guns in the United States. Oh, I know. The guy's an idiot. But, but, but look at Chicago. Okay. 33 people shot over the 4th of July wow, weekend. That's 33. Low. Well, 13 people were shot over 17 hours in the city, included a 15 year old boy and a 16 year old boy, 17. I mean, you can go on and on, but I guess what I'm saying is, um, when you look at the reasons, you know, why is this? Oh, why is this? Well, and it's because a, the availability of guns, so we have to confiscate <laughs> the guns. Yeah, and then Chicago has a gun-free zone. But for Memorial Day, I think there's over 104 shot over Memorial Day. I don't know what it is that... Uh, and this was just a, 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 a small, smaller window of time. Not, I didn't take the entire weekend of that. Okay. Um, this last piece of news is important. It deals with Planned Parenthood. A judge rules Kansas can't cut Planned Parenthood's Medicaid money. Kansas cannot cut off Medicaid funding for two Planned Parenthood affiliates, a judge said Tuesday. U.S. District Judge Julie Robinson in Kansas City, Kansas, issued the temporary ruling in a lawsuit filed by Planned Parenthood of Kansas and Mid-Missouri 
the organization St. Louis Regional Affiliate. So what's that mean? The Department of Health plan to cut off funding by Thursday for health services offered at Planned Parenthood facilities, such as exams, cancer screenings for poor patients receiving health coverage through the state's Medicare program. Medicare funds do not cover abortion, they say, but federal laws have blocked attempts by other states to cut off Medicaid funding for Planned Parenthood, including Arkansas, Arizona, Indiana, Louisiana, and Utah. To ruse in its defense, the Department of Health cited a dispute in December over its attempts to inspect the handling of uh, solid waste at Planned Parenthood Clinic in Kansas, which it later resolved. The department also cited allegations against Planned Parenthood in Oklahoma, Texas, uh, that they call unfounded. And Planned Parenthood basically argues that they're, it's a re- women's reproduc- reproductive health right and that it is the taxpayer's duty. It's all a ruse. And, and folks, look, it's, it's not about health care. It's about, it's about the killing of unborn children. It's about the <laughs> shedding of innocent blood. It's about people who are using it. It's about the, the, the power of the blood that's being shed to create what we're seeing today. This empowers Lucifer. I'm telling you right now, it's all about the blood. Mm-hmm. It's all about the murder. It's all about the sac- child sacrifice. Absolutely. Now, tomorrow we're going to be getting into some very important information. You're going to have surgery in the morning. Wish him well. Say a prayer for Joe. And, and if you uh, see me here tomorrow, I didn't have surgery, yeah, well, which I don't think that will happen. Uh, I'll tie you down and do it myself for you. Well, I'm definitely going there. I'm going to thank each and every one of you guys for your prayers, emails of support, and uh, all the, the kind thoughts out there uh, that I've received. And I want to thank you guys for tuning in tonight. And don't forget, Josh Tolley will be guest hosting 8 to 10 the next two nights with my father. Yeah. And Coach Dave will be here Friday. Have a great night, everyone. This is the Global Star Radio Network.